Hey, everybody. What's going on? It's uh, Friday night. It's 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, episode 105 of Moon Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. And uh, we have an amazing guest tonight, Dean DeLeo. How are you, Dean? I'm well. How are you, fellas? Doing great, man. Doing great. Dave, it's been so long since I've seen you. <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, it's been what two weeks. Yeah, one one show. Hey, How many shows? One show. One show, man. <laughs> and we should start. We should start the show tonight by me apologizing that you know your shop being right across the street from where we're rehearsing. We got to be rattling your doors and windows, man. I'm sorry. Well, that's <laughs> that's that, believe me. From for what rattles my you know uh, doors and windows, that's okay. To hear you guys play, that's awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, occasion, occasionally it doesn't work out that well. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Depending on what's over there. Yeah, it's a revolving door. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you guys always rehearse there. Yeah. So it was a quick Pretty rehearsal, much. I heard, like a couple days, and then you guys were ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we were in there for two days, yeah. Wild. Yeah. You know, it's that cellular memory, man. It just kind of bounces right back. You start the song, you're like, oh, my goodness, I have no idea what I did here. And then you get into it, and you just kind of listen to your hands. The minute the minute I go between my ears, it's over. But if I just follow my hands, oh, that, that worked out well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well, you guys have been playing together so long. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it's cellular memory, exactly, as you said. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, or you could always just follow your brother who probably does know it, right? Yeah. You know, Robert's one of those cats <laughs> that never hits a bad note, man. So, you know. Yeah. Man, I, I don't think I've ever heard you hit a bad note either. So, but. Uh, oh, man, you got to come by early days of rehearsals. You know, I got, I got a big pot and a label and a, a, a ladle, a big pot and a ladle, and I'm serving up chowder, man. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of clams. <laughs> yeah that's funny that's funny that's so okay but then you know you you know you rehearse a little bit and then you're not quite ready and then you go out on the road and and then the first five shows are rehearsal and then and then you're good to go right that's right <laughs> you know it's it Never all comes back it all kind of comes back after that first day in rehearsal man it just all yeah. kind of comes back like okay and you know when when we kind of adjourn on the first day and when i leave i go well that, that kind of sounded like STP. That's a good thing, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching, by the way. We uh, want to just thank everybody who's going to be watching the show or the replay. Uh, check out Sweetwater as well, who's a sponsor of our show. And um, so let's get into it, Dean. So we're going to start get talking. Into it, man. We're going to talk about tubes. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we should explain that before we went on the air i was like hey don't ask me about tubes and all that stuff i have no idea about that stuff <laughs> that was good man <laughs> so um so are you excited to be back on the road like you i'm sure you were like itching to get back after all this time right oh my gosh i was itching to do anything man yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it felt it felt great to get up and do that show. And then, you know, we're going out on the road. We got this tour booked um uh for October into a bit of November. So I'm pretty thrilled about we'll be out with uh with Bush and uh Tyler Bryant and those chaps from down oh. south there. Yeah. That's great. 
That's I'm crazy. Yeah, I love those cats, man. Yeah, I was, I, I was looking at the dates. Um, no South Florida. So, <laughs> well, Mark, well, there is a Florida gate, I think we're in Daytona on like November 10th. Oh, well, maybe I can make the trip out there. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, I'll check it out. I didn't, I didn't see that. Maybe I missed it. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so I don't know if you've been asked this question a lot, Dean. I'm sure you have in, in, in interviews and stuff like that. But can we go back? Like, well, how you, how'd you get into guitar and what, inf, you know, your influences and stuff like that? And then I'd love to talk uh, to you know, about your tone and everything like that and get into all that stuff. But yeah, you know, man, um, I grew up in a very musical household in the sense of there was a lot of music being played on on stereos. I had older brothers and sisters and, you know, being born in 1961, I was, you know, eight, nine years old. And my brother was, um, you know, playing Hendrix. So I was hearing that firsthand and, you know, trying to, trying to make sense of that as an eight year old kid, like, you know, like, wow, this is, this is really outside, you know? And, and then my sisters were listening to like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And of course, Neil and, and, and Cat Stevens and that whole world. And then my mom was always playing like the great Andy Williams and Glenn Campbell and um, of course all the Bacharach stuff. And, you know, my mom actually brought me, um, which was called at the time the Guard State Art Center. And um, she brought me to see the Carpenters when, when uh, Say Goodbye to Love or Goodbye to Love was a big hit that one summer. Uh, you guys might be too young for that, but. I mean, I'm, I'm a little too young. Dave's looking like Mark, well, Mark's the same. Yeah, no, Mark's yeah, too young. Too. I think we're all just about the same age. Um, I don't remember that song though, but I remember the car. I mean, it has that great, oh, it has that song. great, that yeah. great fuzz solo in it. That oh, great, yeah, yeah, yes, right. yeah. yes, yes. Not say goodbye to love. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I saw the Carpenters, and uh, you know, it was astounding. Of course, just amazing and. Karen came out and got right on the kit and it was like a, you know, huge orchestra with them. And that's amazing. It was just amazing. So we had a lot of music going on in the household. Now, ironically, Robert and I were the only ones out of all the kids that gravitated towards playing. How many kids were there? Well, it was rather Brady bunch. Uh, <laughs> it was very Brady bunch. My mom had two kids from a, her very first marriage. Yeah. Meets my dad. He had two kids from a, from a previous marriage, and they had Robert and I. Six kids. Yes. yes. Very Brady Bunch. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, you can imagine, man, there was so much music going on through the late 60s and 70s and um, just within the household, let alone. And, you know, you know what was amazing, man? I mean, like – I mean, you could put on AM radio and hear Heart of Gold, Benny and the Jets. Mm -hmm. The stuff that was being written and recorded and played over the air, as for me as a young kid, man, I was just eating it up, man. Eating it up. Yeah. Great music. What great, a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think, what, where, where, what happened? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a lot of years uh, of of great, great songs. Uh, just uh, you know, just 
just unbelievable songwriting and unbelievable songs where every part of the song is a hook, like, you know, the Eagles or something, or, yeah. or, you know, every guitar part is a hook. Every vocal part is a hook. The choruses are a hook. Everything's a hook. I'll and, tell you, my kids really turned me on to some great stuff lately. Like hmm. my daughter, who's nine, she turned me on to this Mitski record. The one, uh, it's called uh, Be the Cowboy, I think. Not sure. Don't know that. Oh, boy, that's a good record. And then my son also turned me on to um, these cats out of it. It's a lovely gal who sings and these extraordinary musicians. They're called Men I Trust. They're out of um, Toronto area. Man, they're really great. Of course, you know, I, I really love some of the stuff Tame Impala is doing. Yeah. And, um, man, there's this band I got turned on. Do you mind if I look at this? Yeah, yeah no, go for it. But I just heard this song last night uh, who my dear friend Ryan Williams turned me on to. Oh, they're called Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Hmm. Okay. I, I got hip to this song called American Guilt, and I was like, wow, that's really good, man. So I immediately bought the record and really, really love it. So there is a lot of really cool stuff going on, and I love that there's such a platform now for everybody to play it for whoever wants to. Simple right. Board. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting finding through, it. Yeah. Finding yeah. it, getting through the weeds yeah. because well, what, what seems to be played on popular radio is just, at least from my opinion, it's just horrible, you know? Um, and, or if you hear some good rock music, I mean, like, you know, Wolfgang came out with a new album. You guys had an album in 2020, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we're somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the one. What's that? <laughs> uh, I have it. Yep. And, and, and I bought it. <laughs> oh, man. Lovely. There you, See, go. Now, you know what that means? The next time I show up at rehearsal, I got to bring some records. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that you should support your artist if you like them. I, I mean, I don't care if I spend $10 for, you know, or $40 for that matter for, for four records or something, you know, yeah, I still sure. like to buy it. I, I mean, maybe even vinyl, but you know, uh, yeah, vinyl, vinyl's doing well still. Yeah. It's if, good, if you can package something on vinyl or package something with a picture book with vinyl or some special edition, you're going to sell it. That you I know, agree, man. And, and um, I don't know, it's just so fun having that big it is in front of you, you know, like yeah. you know, that's that's just so cool. And um, yeah, it always worked well, uh, you know, for separating the seeds from your weed, too, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, double, the double album, yes, the double album, the, yes. the uh, you know, or, or anything like that, even you know, when Jimmy Page comes out with these books. You know, uh, I don't know if just that last book that he came out that I, I got as a present from someone. And I just sat there literally for hours, just thumbing through the pages. And it was awesome. It's amazing. I haven't, I haven't seen that book. I have to get that book. Oh, you got to get it. If you don't have it, you got to get it. It's the coolest pictures you've ever seen. In it. Just like amazing. I now, mean, the, we're talking when gods walk the earth, man. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. So Jimmy Page, obviously, I, I think I you know, as a big influence on you or, or no, Dean? 
Oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I I surely digested those records. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was truly an event when you know the next Zeppelin record was coming out through the nineteen seventies. It was really cool. And you know what? You know what? Who I just kind of had a little resurgence with is the Smiths, man. Oh yeah, awesome. Oh, man, and and it was such an event when like their new record was coming out too. Like I love what. Johnny played and what he did and what that it was such a great band, man. Yeah. So yeah. You know, honestly, I, I don't listen to much rock these days. Um, you know, I found myself doing a lot of writing lately, especially with the whole thing with Tom and I had going and kind of, um, you know, there's always that, that mindset of like, Oh, this would be a good song for the band. And then, you know, like I just finished that record with Tom the great Tom Bukovac we're talking about. Yes. So, sure, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, always kind of um, been writing a lot. And when I'm writing, I, I try to, I don't try. I just, I'm not so interested in music. I think I'm, I'm just burnt. I'm hearing the notes that I'm playing recordings. Mm. I just don't want to hear it. You know, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I've heard enough of me, please. No more. <laughs> I, I I get that way. It's I get that way a lot. I'm just I'm constantly surrounded by guitars and amps and things and rigs and oh people gosh, and you? Jesus, Jesus. After a while, it's just like, I, no, turn the radio down. No, yeah, right, no, no, right, no more music. I can't. I need you silence. Know, I can't. Yeah, I need silence. And then I gotta and, tell you, man, I thought of you so much, Dave, because there was a time there, you know, pre-COVID, I was doing a lot of. Um, the um, that thing Matt has going with Steve Stevens and Billy yeah. Duffy, yeah. And you know, for some reason, I was always with Steve, and we kind of became pretty, pretty close. The great Steve Stevens, man. You know, you yeah. Realize how extraordinary that cat is until you he's get awesome. Oh my gosh, he's yeah. extraordinary. But he'd always come in with that pink amp, man. Free. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I was, that amp. I think of you all the time, man. You, you know, like, oh, David. That's because it burned your retinas. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we go back a long way, man. Yeah, we do. So, so essentially, uh, you you came into my life essentially probably right before. Here, here. Yeah, literally right before um, your first record came out. Yeah, we were gearing up to go on the road. Yep, gearing up. Your record hadn't released yet, and uh, and yeah, and I wired up your first little rack. I mean, there's not yes, much there, so but yes. But how you did you? How did you find for them? Getting me right. Sorry, Mark. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I said you were responsible for wiring me up to get on the road. Yep. You and how did you? How that. did you come to Dave? Like, how did you? Oh boy. I was word of mouth. It was just okay, I heard I like, so. oh man, there's there's this guy, Dave Friedman. He's the guy. Right, right. He's the guy. I said, Well, I want, the guy. <laughs> yeah. I want the guy, man. I'm the guy at like 21 years old, probably, or something then. So that would have been 1990. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Yeah. So well that well that uh, I was yeah, 2021, 20, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was about 30. Okay, I, I came to your house, man. I came to your house to pick up my gear. Was that the first time, though? Uh, I don't think that was the very first one. I think when I first did it, I don't think I was at my house. Really? I remember you being at my house, though. But that, yeah. that 
I don't think that would have been 1990, though. So I think at first we, I did it. There was making music that was down the street. You you guys were, were rehearsing at um, what was, it was Bill's, Bill's place. place, but the one yeah. that was there right by Lackersham and and the yes, one that was it's a theater now or something over there or something. That's right. And uh, at Bill's place and um, and. Uh, I remember, I, I don't know, I remember doing it, but then I remember we tweaked your rig later, I think a couple years later at my house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because cool. I would have been out of making music at that point in time, and that was more like 93-ish or something. The 21-year-old Dave Friedman. Hair <laughs> down to the top of his butt crack, long black hair. Yeah, yeah. Pretty. Mark's still pretty kind of pretty, man. We were, you know, I don't I know about that. Pretty. <laughs> I'll take it, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh so what what kind of gear did you have back then? So what what was it that you were setting up, Dave? Do you remember? It was it was the same thing. Um it was uh, well the original now. I remember you telling me originally it was a Demeter preamp, and you, a very, very originally it was a QSC power amp. Um, no, before the Robert, VHD. I think Robert had. Oh, you know what? I it think was. there was a QSC yeah. very early yeah. on. Very early on. Yes, very early on it was, man. Very briefly, and then um, I was introduced, you know, because Robert was kind of working up at Lab Sound. Yeah. With the great Sean Tubbs. Mm -hmm. And. You know, boy, my brother Shirley earned a spot in heaven. He was at Lab Sound at Sunset and Gardner through the 80s. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> right? Enough said, right? We yeah. know what was happening on Sunset at that time. So yeah. uh, those poor guys, man, they were lambasted. Constantly. So uh, with that in mind, with him working there, we had access to a lot of different gear where I could try. Mm. And man, when we paired up Stevie's VHT, VHT Classic, yeah, and and that Chrome one that I have was one of the very early ones. Man, it might be like mm -hmm. the top ten, one of the first yeah. ten. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then, um, yep, Mr. James Demeter, we had his preamp. I, I believe it's a model TGP three, I think. Yes. And um, I'll tell you that 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 just. Um, the whole uh, conglomeration of that that combo really worked well for what I was doing yeah. at the time. Right, and then I had uh, I think originally you might have had an Intellifex, but later it was an Intelliverb. Intelliverb, um, yep. And that's what you and <laughs> essentially that's the core of the rig still to this day. It's it's the exact uh, same rig. There's, we've added a couple amps as I was telling you uh, earlier. I I kind of split the signal with a basement in the early days. I had a basement and uh, just to kind of get that mid range, the clean cleanliness mm -hmm. of the, of the, of the um, amp so I could really hear the chords. And um, I kind of then jumped into an AC 30 and mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, and that's been that way, my goodness for as long as I can remember a long time, man, Yeah, a long time. I, mean, I love your tone by the way. Live recorded, it sounds fantastic. Um, Thank you, Mark. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. so essentially, you know, it was the 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 Demeter preamp into the uh, Intelliverb um, 
Rocktron and Televerb processor into the VHT Classic Power Amp. Yep. The channel channel switching was done. I think it's still done by the Schultz MIDI Octopus. No, you. I think no. I'm no, 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 no. The floor. Oh no, the MIDI Octopus. Yes, I still have that. Yeah, the MIDI Octopus yes. does the channel switching. That's in the rack. Then originally, yes. the floor controller was the 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 Rockman MIDI controller that had these big like plastic toy big looking buttons. Uh, uh, that was the original thing. And, yes. uh, and originally it was a wall that I had modified for you that you used for a million years. Um, yeah, and now, and then you so added you in. Also, the, you also modded because I, I used to have those, the boss CE ones out there with me. Yes. And you modded all of those yeah. as well. So essentially it was the wall uh, in, into the boss CE one chorus for a long time, which I, which I also modified. And then it would it would uh, uh, split off and go one side would go into a Vera drive, into the AC30, and then the other side would just go straight to the Demeter, and, and that and you, that was the rig forever. <laughs> and how did you blend? Is, man. It still is. I mean, most ninety five percent of that still is. So the lesson here, kids, is Dave Friedman wiped all his juju on that. It's got not much to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Exactly. <laughs> it's all Dave. So, so, so then, so then, about a million years later, of course. Now, I, I, I redid the rigs, and this was probably now fifteen years ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> okay, this I redid the rigs like fifteen. I think yeah, I just redid those rigs. No, I didn't. That was like before I was married to my current wife. <laughs> so. So, so, you know, I, I, that was it. I don't know exactly when, but it was roughly 15 ish years ago or something. And, uh, wow. and, uh, we, we got new racks and then the, the foot controller changed, uh, because the, the old Rockmans had seen better days and, uh, and they were falling apart. So, we, so we got a, a RJM mastermind, uh, controller, one of the early ones. Yeah. And that's was the MIDI controller. And, the only other thing that got changed out, I just heard today, was the co boss chorus ensemble went down to just a, a boss chorus, yeah, ensemble yeah, or something. I, you know, and that, as I was saying earlier, you know, I've had such tremendous fortune and luck with my gear. It just, it always, it always worked. And every time we we would plug it in, I mean, just now, you know, the other day when I saw you and we were rehearsing at Nate's, you know, we hadn't plugged that stuff in in over a year. Yeah. And I got a call from my dear, dear friend. Uh, you know Bruce Nelson. Yes. Um, guitar know, tech extraordinaire, I, guitar builder extraordinaire. Dude, he, he is such a lovely guy, man. I, I would really not want to be doing this without him. Mm -hmm. And we've been working together for about 18 years now. Wow. And that, that went like this. Yeah. Like that, man. Like with you and I, you know, 15 years ago, you're talking. That seemed like it was like, 15. It could be 16 or even ish. I think, it, yeah, it was probably, yeah. probably that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that story. I got sidetracked. Bruce, uh, yeah, yeah, you plugged um, the gear in. You plugged the gear well, in. Yeah, Bruce we plugged, plugged it in. You know, we, we hadn't plugged that stuff in in well over a year, a year and a half. And he calls me as I'm on my way. I'm on my way. He goes, oh, my goodness, man. This, 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 this rig sounds so darn good. And it's just, you know, every time Brandon would mix our live stuff, too, he would always – you know, he's calling back, man, your, your rig sounds so darn good. It just, it, you know, it works. And, you know, it's funny because we talked about how many cats are always changing their stuff. 
I mean, that's kind of a, a, a curse amongst guitar players. Oh, They're yeah. searching and trying something new. Oh, I've yeah. Been the same thing for eons. And it, you know, I'm like a horse, man. I'm just like a creature of habit. Just, you know what, fellas? Just mount me from the left and I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's like often guitar players change this stuff. And they, going, what the heck did he say? <laughs> I'm following. I'm following. You know, <laughs> nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been doing this stuff too long. Nothing surprises me coming yeah. out of people's mouths. Um, so uh, um, I was going to say that uh, guitar players often change their gear. Great guitar players over the years have changed, uh, like from what I would consider a signature tone. They're an epic signature tone. And then you hear the next record, and it was recorded with something totally different, and you're just like, "What? Well, what happened? Yeah, and yeah. What happened? Yeah. You know? I, you know what though? I might be guilty. Good. Of that. No, I might be a little guilty of that. No, mm -mm. no. Okay, All the stuff good. you recorded is great. Yeah, I haven't heard. Well, anything. I mean, I, I know you've used different little amps recording too, and little combos and different things <laughs> like back in the day when you kind of. The Vatican gift shop or tiny Va or whatever, whichever the yeah, record yeah, is. yeah. I mean that those were a lot of different sounds. Those were like more small combo-y things, right? Weren't they? Yeah, yeah, very, very. All, all was that, that Brendan? Well, no. Uh, by that by that time, I kind of was. A, you know, when we went into the first record, man, I only owned, uh, you know, that burst, uh, that burst Les Paul that you would always see me playing. I bought that in 1978 from Manny's. All right. And I used that guitar up until just recently, about a year ago, we did one of these live streams and the neck was just toast. Oh, really? At about the third fret, the headstock was going, whoop. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. We don't know why. We don't know why. And it's very sad because that was my original Les Paul, but I really mm -hmm. only had that. And I had a Yamaha FG160 that's all over the records, mm -hmm. uh, acoustic. I think I had like a Japanese telly, but um, I will tell you when we did the first record, um, I'm sure this stopped many, many years ago, but Brendan, the great Brendan O'Brien, my dear friend, he met us at the studio and helped us unload our gear and he brought all his guitars down. Mm -hmm. I'm sure those days went away eons ago yes i don't imagine you'll see him doing that now yeah but fortunately brandon had some really beautiful guitars you know he brought down um really nice 330 and um a junior he had and a strat and um you know what more does a man need all right yeah. i was just watching a live concert of you playing uh it was a les paul jr with p90s it sounded awesome oh, uh, i think yeah. it was yellow think oh a special yes yeah it was a special yeah 57 nice not original oh yeah yeah that thing was yeah that's a, that's a good guitar yes it is <laughs> I, I recorded uh that that record appears a lot on the purple purple record uh that that, 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 that guitar a lot because um, i don't i didn't have that record of course for core but i acquired that i actually bought that from albert molinaro Yes. Yeah. Um, we all know Albert, right? Absolutely. So, uh, I yeah, I, I use the heck out of that 
that uh, that one all over the purple record there and tiny music and yeah that's a great guitar it sounded great oh uh, thank you mark hey by the way dean we we uh occasionally get questions from the audience like super chat questions do you mind if i jump to a few are any of them what i'm wearing from my waist down <laughs> <laughs> there, there might be <laughs> okay let's let's see what we got well the first one uh is from more guitars uh and he said killer showed and then i think we already done this so dean can you really walk us through your stage rig starting with the pedal board with amps is that ever used for recording or does that differ love all your uh your and stp's work thank you oh that's very kind um well thank you um well, heck, Dave, you could probably do this better than me. We kind of went through most well, of it. We did. We did go through it all. I think really, really, just the uh, the the last half of this would be like you use it in the studio, also. Well, let's let's take them through it real quick again. So we go. Okay. We're through that. It's a mastermind pedal board, midi mm -hmm. up, yeah. controlling. Okay, going, here I'll, I'll, I'll just do that it. Rockman changer thing, mm -hmm. right? That's that's changing all the different things. So. I'm using a VHT amp with a Demeter preamp that's trimodal. I don't use the first, the the, the, um, the yellow channel, the uh, the first channel. I only use channel two and three. Channel two is for my rhythm tones, and then channel channel two is for my rhythm tones. Channel three is a big blast off. That I, I I probably have it seven to ten dB louder just where I can kick that on for solos. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's uh, that's all linked up with the Intelliverb. In stereo right. with the From VHD power amp. Stereo going through two 412s. And in yep. the middle of the 412s, I have an AC30 setup, which is pretty clean, very chimey to get all that mid. Now, I'll tell you whose gig is really, really important. That's our sound guy. Uh, his name is James Hooth, and we lovingly call him Hootsie. Uh, and he's, he's been with us. We actually met at Bill's place, man. In oh, wow. And he's been our front of house guy since. Wow. So you can imagine if somebody out front has that AC 30 too loud. That's oh, not, yeah. not so good, man. No. That's, no. that's just a blender. That's it's what I was going to say. How, how do you how do you have it? It's most is it kind of just lower, really, just to fill fill things out? It's not, I mean, or is it 50 50? I have it the way I want to hear it on stage. The way the way it's probably coming out front, I'm hoping is how I have it on stage. And like I said, my dear pal, Bruce Nelson has been, you know, we've been working together for 17, 18 years. And he knows just, just what I, what I want. And it sounds perfect every dang time, man. So back to the rig. So um, the amplification of course is the VHT classic. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it looks like a refrigerator. Yeah. That amp is four, four rack spaces, VHT classic. Yeah. Power amp. Yeah. It's but I run that at I run that at 50 watts, 16 ohm through the 412s, and then um, you know, and like I said, it's it's very important that I hear all the strings in my cordings. You know, so there's there, you know, with with what Robert's writing, you know, and Robert's responsible for a lot of the band's biggest songs, such as Interstate. And I mean, those those verse chords are, are just real bossa nova voicings, man. Mm -hmm. Right. And man, I, I want to hear. I want to hear all those strings. So the the box allows me to really get that, because it's set so clean. But I also have that big bottom on the top from the marshals. Mm -hmm. 
So the VHT uh, is in conjunction with that Demeter preamp, and that's kind of the rig. Now, I also have this box uh, bit, built by, oh gosh, I don't know Rick's last name. Uh, I haven't talked or seen Rick. In a Rick Hamill. Time. What's his last name? Rick Hamill. Hamill. He's uh, yeah. he, he has a company called SIB, and I believe it stands for Shit I Built. I think so, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, you do, you, you know the uh, the 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 joking um, name for VHT was right. What is it? I don't know this. Well, you know, it was it was always a joke. It was like, yeah, no, it's, it's supposed to be Valley Heroin Transport. <laughs> <laughs> right, there was stuff in the amps, but dope. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was Valve Harmonic Technologies, but uh, Stevie Fr Stevie always used to go, "Yeah, no, Valley Heroin Transport." <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, yes. Uh, um, so, um, SIB. SIB. Thank you, man. That's you know, I can remember what I did. You know, getting old sucks, right? I, was, I can remember what I did when I was seven years old, but five minutes ago, forget it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Rick Hamill, I have this pedal called a Vera Drive that only goes to the AC30. Now, what's cool about this pedal, and gosh, it's it's probably as big as my fat face here. It's 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 like another amp. It gives me gain, volume high mid and lows mm -hmm. well, yeah, i have so. that if i want to blow up the ac30 for something yeah, like so. unglued or something where you know down i kind of use it just to kind of make those harmonics a little more impactful but mm -hmm. it's it's like having another amp head at my feet and i click that on it's just like yeah and really blows up nicely so so um, yeah the guitar signal goes into the wah and the, then the wah goes to a boss chorus pedal it used to be a chorus ensemble and now it's a boss chorus ensemble small pedal i think yes uh and then that splits and one side goes to the vera drive into the vox and the other side goes to the demeter preamp exactly and the demeter preamps into the intelliverb and then into the vht power amp in stereo four by twelves thank goodness for dave signal pass thank starting at the guitar <laughs> there you go <laughs> And there's a little hole on the guitar that I, that's where I plug in, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the, and the Wawa controls everything. It goes through the, uh, the box yep. and the, the marshals. Yeah. Yeah. And then for your studio stuff, how does that differ? Uh, I mean, you're using everything under the sun in the studio that you, you know, that. Um, you know, I've, um, been fortunate and robert's been fortunate to acquire some groovy amps you know we we really kind of um went after a lot of that uh the supra stuff and you know a lot of Vox stuff and um you know i got these 18 watt marshall combos that mm -hmm. only kind of came out for two years i think maybe 66 or 68 or 68 through 70 the little the basket yep. weave like 18 watt 212 gosh they sound real good and uh you know, you always got to remember, man, a microphone won't discriminate. Mm -hmm. A microphone does not know size. And yeah. you know, sometimes just too much air can sometimes just blow by the blow by the mic. Mm. And, um, you know, I've heard Tom talk about it a lot, you know, Tom Bukovac, how, you know, 
just uh, too too heavy handed can sometimes just just blow the sound away. It's 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 so important while recording to really be not so immersed in your playing, but really hear what's coming out of the speakers. Like really be cognizant of what is coming out of the speakers in the studio. You know what I mean? And um, uh, you know, and then there's like performance and all that stuff too. But right. you know, sometimes a lighter touch can be effective and sometimes just you know where you're scratching it to nearly breaking the string is also effective you know mm. mentioning uh tom bukovac we can take next question uh from pasquale morelli uh thanks for the super chat last show i attended was stp at, at with rival sons at aragon we were the dudes in the stp tribute at the meet and greet uh, <laughs> awesome uh, any release dates planned for Trip the Witch? Can you describe how it was put together? How you how you hooked up with Tom? I'm curious how that how that work out. I'm glad he was at the show at the Aragon. It was a heck of a night. We were out with uh, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, who we're about to go out with again. And of course, we're out with the great rival sons. And uh, boy, that was a nice bill, man. That was a really a really nice bill. Hearing those cats play night after night and. Um, um, the Aragon was, cool. a, was a special night because uh, Graham, Graham Whitford, uh, who plays in the Shakedown, uh, joined us that night for Dead and Bloated. And it was just like that double guitar assault on that. It was really, really fun. And I just love spending time with everybody on that bill. Um, so I'm glad he was there to kind of see that. And uh, as far as Trip the Witch, yeah, Tom and I have been really busy the last, just the last couple of weeks. We're releasing this record, hopefully at the end of the month, either last week of August or first week of September. That's kind of the plan now. Uh, the, the album is mixed, mastered, all the artwork is done, all the credits are done. And uh, Tom and I just submitted some photos for different types of press. And, you know, we're just starting to do all the, the rollout of press on that as we speak i can't wait to hear it yeah, i'm really looking forward to it well you know what man i'm a firm believer that you're only as good as those around you and i sound pretty good on this record <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny well Tom's uh, great too. the same goes for my band you know the same goes for stp you're, you're only as good as those around you and I, i'm very fortunate <laughs> to be around some really really talented cats. And, um, you know, I can't say enough about, about my band members and, and Tom, man. I, I mean, when I, when I got turned on to actually, it wasn't even called homeschooling yet. Uh, Tom was calling it Corona lessons, I think. Yeah. And my dear friend, uh, who actually, um, I met because he was, uh, second engineering the number four record. So that's how far we go back. And, um the last two records we did with jeff um he engineered the the butterfly one and he engineered and mixed perdita and ryan I mean, you know everything that i did in la ryan engineered and pretty much mixed the trip to witch record um so i know ryan man he is he is Ryan's awesome he's yeah he's just he's really awesome man um so um Ryan turned me on to, to Tom. He sent me uh, a video of him just burning on this kind of like 
think it's it's a Paul Reed Smith. It might be a single pickup that Tom has. I'm not sure. But I mean, he was just playing stuff that I could only dream of, like kind of like B3 lines and just, you know, Tom just manhandles that thing. You know, he gets mm-hmm. that thumb over and, you know, doing that that hybrid picking. And I was just really knocked back. And Ryan emailed him and um he said, yeah, man, I, I, I do some work with Stuntable Pilots, and Dean really loves the show. And Tom wrote, wrote back. He's like, oh, man, just tell Dean howdy, and here's my number. Like, I called him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't wait. I called him immediately. I was like, oh. And I swear, man, we, we, we hit it off like we've known each other for 100 years. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was really and it's been this like beautiful, beautiful friendship. And ironically, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. There's times in life where you meet somebody and you're like, Oh yeah, you know, we should do something that never really, never really sees the light of day. But for some reason with Tom, I mean, I, I just love the guy, man. I love him. I can't say enough about him. And uh, I'm, I'm honored and proud to call him my friend first and foremost. And, um, you know, getting to make a record with him because, you know, he he he's the type of player that, you know, I can only dream of playing like the stuff that he comes up with. I can only dream of it. I am nowhere near as proficient. And he he always played exactly what I want to hear. Hmm. And so awesome. getting to do this record with him, you know, and we were just passing stuff back and forth. He would come up with a song lay down the foundation you know we had some really astounding players on it the great shannon Forrest, steve mackey chris McHugh. i had jason sutter from la here play on a song and um you know tom is just you, know, that... you ever heard him play piano no no <laughs> he's he's unbelievable man that guy gets on a drum set you're just like wow man that's really every yes. play every instrument wow He's he's uh he's extraordinary. His chord choices are like I I know he's all about the chords. You know he's really really good with he's, that stuff. Like, uh, yeah, very very tasty. So um, yeah, we made this this wonderful record that I thoroughly uh, enjoy listening to, and um, and uh, um, I, I'm you know I, I hate talking about our own stuff like this, so I hate it. But I, I really. I really am so uh, honored to be a part of it because it's just some, um, you know, especially kind of the stuff Tom wrote. It's, you know, it's like I said, it's kind of what I always wished I could play and write. So to Mm -hmm. be a part of it is just like so uh, deep in my soul, you know? Yeah. uh, I can't wait for you to hear it. (laughs) I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm psyched. That's great. Where'd the name come from? Yeah. Well, um, there's a song Scott and I wrote that was on Tiny Music called Ride the Cliche. And the chorus Scott sings Trip the Witch. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and I always love that. I always love that phrase or that that term, whatever we want to call it. And uh, I always love that. And I actually mentioned it to Robert many, many years ago. I was like, man, that would be a great band name. So, hmm. you know, naming your band is harder than naming your kid, man. Oh yeah, it's the worst. And we were throwing around names for a couple of months, 
And I thought of that, I, and I, you know, mentioned it to Tom, and right away we both went, "Oh yeah, that's that's really good. Let's let's call it that." That's great. <laughs> now it leads me to the question: How did STP come around? Stone Temple Pilots. How did that name? Oh Lord, that. Okay, so Dave, you may remember this. We we were called Mighty Joe Young. I knew about that, but I don't think I, I think at the time you had already changed it. Hmm. Okay, so we were going by the name Mighty Joe Young. We are in our. Uh, we are in the house of the artist that was putting together the core packaging. True story here, fellas, and all who are listening. We were in his, on the second story of this really beautiful little Spanish house in Hollywood. We were looking at all the stuff on big sheets of paper, man, the whole layout of the core record. That all that work and everything had the name Mighty Joe Young everywhere. We were ready to go to print. Hmm. We were ready to send this off. We were doing the final approvals. The phone rings. I think this is pre-cell phones, of course. The phone rings. It's our lawyer at the time. A gentleman by the name of Eric Greenspan. He calls us. He says, um, you guys can't use that name. <laughs> we're, we're like... We're, we're looking at all this artwork for our first record, all, you know, strewn all over this guy's <laughs> right. loft and, and work studio, about to send it to Atlantic to start printing this record. <clears throat> so our lawyer says, you can't use that name. There's a, there's a, a jazz cat that's been make. Or, I'm sorry, a blues cat out of Chicago that's been making records before any of you were born. <laughs> called Manny J. Young. And we just went, oh, no. So the record was delayed for about eight weeks and we kind of went home with uh, really, really uh, our tails between our legs, man, really sad. And you can imagine that it was such a blow, you know? Wow. <clears throat> and uh, Scott and I were living together at the time and we had a place out in uh, Highland Park. And uh, um, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I've been some interesting were, stories from that one. Oh my goodness. So Scott and I were living together and we're sitting around and yeah, we were sad. We were pretty knocked back, but we were determined. I mean, here we were. We were now the name of the band was holding up the release of the record. Right? So I said to Scott, I was like, man, you know what was the coolest sticker? When, when you were a kid, and I mean, I used to go up to the local gas stations to get one. It was the coveted sticker, the STP sticker, yeah, the oval, right? Mm -hmm. I said we should do something with those letters, and and people will call us STP. And Scott was like, "Oh, I love that. That's a great idea." So we threw around every word beginning with S and T and P until Stone Temple Pilots kind of came about. We immediately called Robert. And Robert was, you know, really ecstatic about it too. And I think, I think Robert might have put a, the finishing touch on it with like, you know, it was like, I forget what we were throwing around, but Robert kind of like, I think kind of like put the cherry on top by using the word pilots and it was, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. And for the longest time, I was like, well, I don't know about that name. I really don't know about the name, but it, 
I, I have a pretty good feeling in my gut that people will call us STP. And every time they see that sticker, they might, they might just think of us. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, now, now I actually, you know, it took me years, but I, I kind of, I kind of dig the name actually, but it took me, it took me a long time to really get my, my head around it. If you can believe that, but yeah, that was the whole, the whole gist behind that. That's awesome. I never heard that story. So that's great. Um, Vincent, Vinny, what's going on? Vinny has a question. Uh, hey fellas, Dean, thanks for the super chat. Vinny. Cranford, New Jersey. All right. <laughs> you know, Cranford, New Jersey. Dude, come on. I grew up in Point Pleasant Beach, so watch your wallets, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I've always been incredibly taken by your chord choices and progressions. They're incredibly unique and interesting. How do you choose your chords and phrasings? Well, thank you. Thank you, Vincent Vincenzo. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know, um, one of the blueprints for STP I kind of touched on it earlier about the chordings that Robert came up with in Interstate Love Song. You know, those verse chords, that's that's all bossa nova voicings, man. And I mean, that's always been the blueprint of the band to kind of take really beautiful chords, really beautiful chordings, um, whether they're, you know, God forbid I say the word, whether they be jazz influenced or like bossa nova, but just, just taking these really beautiful chordings and just putting them in a rock format. Mm -hmm. That's kind of um, been the blueprint of the band. And, you know, that's that's why we probably hear so many cover bands play the songs and be like, eh, it's not quite white, quite right. You know? right. <laughs> what sounds wrong here? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just kind of like taking, um, you know, not, not playing – the typical chord. I mean, if, if you're you're rooted in F or F sharp or C or whatever whatever it is, to try to make the chord, um, just just taking it out of just a cowboy chord, making it you know throwing in a ninth or an eleventh or a, a major seven or whatever whatever it may be, just you know still keeping the root, but just kind of twisting it a little bit. Right and. So you'll go through some iterations until you hear what like sounds best and then you'll stick with that or uh well Robert's a little more proficient at it than I am. He'll he'll kind of like he he easily kind of is able to transpose what's going on in his head to the mm. guitar. Where I kind of need, I, I wrestle with it a little more. Mm. But I I'll, I'll just you know, give me a minute, man. I'll get to it. Right, you know? right, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. But uh yeah, yeah. That's cool. So getting back to uh, the Trip the Witch album, what kind of gear did you use on that? Well, we used a lot of uh, a lot of small amps. Uh, there wasn't a lot of big amps um, going. You know, Tom and I weren't in the same room, so I can't really answer for him. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you know what amp I really loved, man? Gosh, this amp was really cool. We used it uh, a bit. Was, I had this little Fender Bronco. Mm -hmm. little bronco which sounded cool and um, for a couple of things ryan has a really nice that i actually used on the number four record he's got a beautiful laney head yeah. um, that we sometimes fired up and um i was a little too lazy to carry a lot of my amps out here but i did bring a lot of little supro stuff 
and uh, Ryan has some really beautiful amps as well. Um, you know, Super Reverb, of course, which I don't, I don't have one of those. Mm. Boy, is that a great amp. Yeah. So Super Reverb and, um, you know, Bassman, we used on a few things. And um, yeah, just cool old funky stuff. That's cool. And did you know so funky? <laughs> Who say that on here, Funky? Who's that? <laughs> Are we allowed to say that on the show, Funky? We can say anything on the yeah, show. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's an adult show. Okay, good. <laughs> no kids allowed. Um, you know, when I got stuff back from Tom, man, it really, it really was, was, um, you know, as I said, there's some songs on the record where Tom kind of wrote the entire song top to bottom. I might have written a, a like a, a bridge or something on it, but you know I would get these songs with like you know Shannon Forrest and Steve Mackey and Tom this, these these beautiful songs that in my humble opinion I can only say this because I really didn't have much to do with writing them, but I surely got the opportunity to play on them, mm. and Tom would just kind of lay down a foundation, bass, drums, and an acoustic, and maybe an electric, and he'd be like, okay. And man, when I when I got those tracks and, and opened up, it was just really like, how don't I ruin this? <laughs> honestly, it was so like, you know, we'd put it on, it would bring tears to my hmm. eyes, man. And I, it was really like I'd sit there and look at Ryan, like, oh, we we can't mess this up, man. <laughs> we gotta make sure it's good. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of times where, you know, Tom would show me like we did a lot of, we, we, I never sat in front of a phone so much because that's how we threw all our ideas back and forth. We'd make movies and send to one another and, you know, we're like, oh, check out this part. And the other guy would write the next part and so on and so on. So, um, so that's where, um, you know, between my brother and me trying to wrestle with it and, and kind of like, you know, the great, chord knowledge of, of mr bukovac um yeah that's great uh, so with with stp how, what's the songwriting process and you know i guess uh with scott and then post scott how what was the songwriting process with you guys it stayed the same uh, with Scott. It always it always was this kind of blueprint. It, it was the same with Scott, Chester, and now Jeff, mm -hmm. um, the great Jeff Goot. Um, you know, music always seemed to come first. Pretty much, I would say, 99% of the tracks. Music always came first. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll tell you, man, to be affiliated with – those three guys that I just mentioned, Scott, Chester, and Jeff, you know, it goes back to what I said, you know, you're only as good as those who are around you. Mm -hmm. And man, those, those, those cats are, are very, very talented guys, you know, mm -hmm. to, to be a songwriter and have, you know, Mr. Wyland grace your song with his, you know, melody and vocal prowess was pretty darn fulfilling, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I gotta say that yeah, Scott was one of the uh, great great frontman. Maybe just one going down in history as one of the greatest frontmen ever. 
He's great. In 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 his heyday times, that is. You know, he had uh, many troubles also, obviously. Yeah, man. I I remember I remember years ago you you were rehearsing at Leeds rehearsal. Yes. Yeah, and and I this was probably mid trouble with with Scott uh, and and I you and Robert, you and Robert oh, were just right. like fucking goddamn, you know? <laughs> oh man, I think you know what? I think what happened. I think what you're referring to. We were in pre production for Tiny Music. Maybe a friend, of, a friend of mine came down to visit us and say hello, and he goes. Hey, you know, Scott's on the radio. Like Scott was supposed to be there at, at Leeds. We're, we're you know, mm -hmm. preparing and writing for our new record. And I think what happened, our, a friend of mine comes in to say hello uh, to, to us. And he goes, hey, you know, Scott's on the radio right now talking about another band. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, what? So it was just kind of kooky stuff like that, you know? Yeah. 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 I can imagine. Um but yeah, we use an amazing frontman and songwriter. Incredible. Yeah, man. And I, gosh darn, do I miss that guy, man? I, I really miss him. And I'm just, ah, just you know, I get so sad if I if I if I go down that 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 path, I, yeah. I can actually bring myself to tears. And I just, yeah, I miss all that he has missed. You yeah. know, all that we've had to. Uh, celebrate since he's passed like you know the these anniversaries of each of our records like 20 mm -hmm. 25 years and 30 years and you know when i'm sifting through all that stuff to do a re-release and i'm hearing his voice talking in the room and i remember i remember the smell of the room i remember what we were talking about i remember the conversation just like oh man it's um yeah it's 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 hard to, it's hard to swallow man oh yeah i can imagine i can only imagine and it's tough yeah. I'm sure it's tough to deal with, but you know, you guys have persevered amazingly. Um, and, uh, I mean, the albums that you've come out with post Scott have just been fantastic. Well, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, so it's a testament to you guys to continue going. Cause I mean, I, I know I was, I was like, Oh man, they're done. You know, back then I was like, fuck, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a big fan. I mean, I still am a big fan, you know, and uh, and I was like, oh, this is disappointing. You know, clearly, obviously sad for Scott, sad, sad for you guys. But then when I saw you guys are continuing to go on. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. A big yeah. search. Well, the big yeah, search. Man, it was uh, it was great. And, and um, you know, I I had met Chester. Um, well, actually. I, I hadn't met Chester quite yet, but I, I always heard him talking about what STP meant to him in like different mm -hmm. interviews. And I would see like him doing a gig with, with the mighty Lincoln park and he'd be wearing an STP shirt. So when the, when that time kind of came too, because we didn't know what we were going to do, man, like we were devastated by this whole thing and it ended rather poorly and sadly between um, us and Scott. And, you know, it was just, it was just tragic in every sense of the word. And um, mm -hmm. one day I just, uh, I said, I know, I know who could sing for the band. And, was, and Robert and Eric said, who's that? I said, Chester Bennington. And they went, oh, yeah. And Chester was in Australia on uh, tour. 
And I called him. I said, hey, man, I hope you're good out there. You want to you sing for STP? And he goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was in mid-tour in Australia. He goes, yes. And then he goes, I have to check with my wife, man. <laughs> he goes, I got I to gotta think about this. But, like, my answer is yes. But, you know, uh, and I'll tell you what, man. Being around that cat during that time was was really really wonderful, man. Chester was a was a guy, and this is going to sound weird saying this. This is going to sound really weird, but that was a guy that was just always in a solution. He was mm -hmm. always in a solution. Always so, I don't know. Just had this like joie de vie, man. This like great. Um, love of life and love of his family and yeah it was really really fun being around him and i i i, I love him dearly uh and then uh of course um you know things kind of uh went the way they did there and yeah we, we really didn't know what to do at that point we were just like okay yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna uh I think I'm going to give lessons or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go apply at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the grace of God, man, we met Jeff. And uh, that came about because Robert was out on the road with uh, Hollywood Vampires. Mm -hmm. And they were gigging uh, in Detroit. And somebody approached Robert after the show. And said, "Hey, man, have you guys found a singer yet?" And of course, we hadn't. And um, uh, this guy told Robert about Jeff, and uh, we kind of got together. I think just a few weeks later, and and Jeff really, really knocked us back. We we, we kind of gave people. We're doing auditions. We gave everybody the, the same seven songs to audition with, so, so we could really have a good gauge. We. we wanted everybody to sing these seven songs. And mm. ironically, one of the hardest songs to sing, um, which was a song off the first record called Piece of Pie. I mean, for for a, you know, for Scott later on in the later days, it was very hard for him to hit that. And we were already tuned down to a drop D, so it was kind of a song that we weren't able to play very much. Mm. But Jeff, I don't know if that was his ploy or his tactic or what, but we're like, well, what do you want to, what do you want to play, man? What do you want to He just goes, piece of pie. And we were just like, oh, far out, man. So he, 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 he started out with that song and killed it. Hmm. Killed it. We were, we were out at 606, uh, Foo Fighters place. And I think, I think he pushed the back wall back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, great. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And he's from oh. Detroit. <laughs> he's from Detroit, man. Yeah, you guys are, uh, you know, it's it's those seasons, man. Diamonds are made under pressure. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good Obviously, stuff out of Detroit. Mr. <laughs> Obviously, Mr. Friedman. <laughs> uh, Chris Puckett has a super chat. Thank you. Dean, such a huge fan from the beginning. Your style was so different than everybody else at the time. How did you develop your unique playing style? Still trying to, still figuring out your early songs and amazed at the structure and chords. I mean, you know, man, 
these are really, really lovely com comments, and I, I appreciate it so much. And I, I, I definitely won't take it lightly. I, you know, I think, I think, you know, like I said earlier, man, it's just, it's kind of been the blueprint for um, our band to just kind of not play the typical chord, just not play the typical chord. You know, if you want to stay within the root, stay within the root, but kind of make it just say and mean something more. And that, that's all there is to it, you know? Um, but when did you figure that out for yourself? I mean, was that like, I mean, when you were playing, writing stuff early on, or was it like you and your brother working on stuff together and kind of that influence? I'm, I'm just curious. How yeah. That kind of well, you know, you know, Robert sets a high bar. He, he really sets a high bar as a, you know, extraordinary musician, extraordinary guitar player. He sets a high bar. So if I want to get a song or two on the record or whatever, five, six, whatever, I have to like, I have to be there or better. So, um, yeah. Uh, I think that really started, didn't that start really right. developing for you after the first record? I mean, I, so. I, I think just looking at the records as they went along, that's a good analysis. You can yeah. see, you can see you growing as a guitar player over, over those course of records to me. I, I think so, man. We, go, we just go back so far. I remember, I, you know, I remember you in a room with a guitar and, and it's just like, it really changed over the years. It got better and better and better and better and better, you know, and, and Listen, you know, man, I'm just starting to get the hang of it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just starting to get you know not bad no, it's like I, I, just, I always i always uh it's funny yeah it, that reminds me of so uh, dear friends of mine are the guys in the offspring and yeah. uh and uh and and noodles is always like yeah man you know <laughs> he goes i practice all the time i do all this stuff i do this all this stuff and and Dexter comes out and he hasn't played guitar in six months and then plays the new songs off the top of his head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perfectly. And he's just like, God damn it. <laughs> well, that's why that's why he's a pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Right. laughs> uh Stay Curious says, uh, Dean, love your solo on Silver Gun Superman. Oh, I thank you. You know, that was that solo on the record. Um, is the tracking solo. Cool. That's the tracking solo, meaning, you know, people may not know what that means. Mm -hmm. So we always tracked live. It was Eric and an ISO booth for that record, the purple record, which we cut at Southern Tracks in uh, just outside of Atlanta. Eric was in an ISO booth and Robert and I were out in the main room with amps, you know, on. And so we're just playing along in hopes that, you know, there's some spontaneity there and we capture something between Robert and I, but what we're really going for is the drum track, mm -hmm. you know, but most of that track, that super, that, that silver gun tr track is, is, I mean, most of that record is tracking guitars, but that solo is the tracking solo. The very first one I played and I went back to overdub. I said, I think I could beat that. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Sometimes it's that magic the first and time then, around. Yeah. And then Brendan doesn't always like to uh, spend tons of time on things. He likes to move quickly. 
Quick, quick, quick. Oh, yeah. If it was up to me, yeah. I probably would have recut all that Dobro stuff on Big Empty. Brendan's like, no way, man. Yeah. No, that's done. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly like him. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'd say but one of the greatest things in my career, man, is is getting to make records with him. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I learned so much from him, man. So much from him. And then just he made those 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 records and the process of making those records like so fun and so enjoyable and really knew how to bring out the best in us, man. And it was just, I can't say enough about him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. What a, what a great producer. Um, Zeke Downey has a super chat question below. And I know there were a few people who were asking this as well about the speakers that you're running in your AC 30 and Marshall cabs. Uh, it's incredible listening to you chat with us. You've always been a huge influence on me. Well, thank you, Zeke. That's that's very nice to hear. I appreciate that. Okay, so let me think here. The the AC thirty. It's just those. What are they? They have the blue ones. The yeah, the blue the water. blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the blue, blues. The blues. So that's in the AC thirty, and um, I got to think about this. Probably vintage thirties in your cabs, maybe. I think they are vintage. Or 30s. greenbacks, one of the two. I would imagine no, vintage thirties. Vintage thirties, yeah. We are vintage thirties. Yeah. Because I remember, because uh, we had to rent some backline on a European tour, and I had like twenty fives. Does mm -hmm. that sound right? Maybe or, or seventy fives. <laughs> it just wasn't the same, man. I just didn't get the same kind of thing. They are vintage thirties in the uh, yeah. in the, in the Marshalls, yeah. yeah. And both are um, uh, slants. I like the slants better than the the flat. The flat ones, whatever they're called. Well, I mean, it projects up at you a little bit more. You know, you can hear it a little bit better. Yeah, it's just it, it just works for me a little better. I, you know, probably because they're shooting right at my my ears. I I tend to um uh kind of you know munch on that high end a little more. Hmm. Point right. right at the old bean, man. It <laughs> <laughs> only works so long, right? Oh, <laughs> Until you geez, start man. losing the high end. <laughs> you know, man, I'm the only one in the band that's not in ears. I yeah, actually think that's worse. I I still plug in. I still plug in, man. I don't have in ears. I'm I'm using the total sound of the stage and the monitors and. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And well, I, I you know, yeah, I've had the I've had this discussion a lot with people like uh, Pete Thorne and and stuff, and he goes, you know, the in ear thing, uh, although it's a great invention, <laughs> you know, it, it it serves a purpose because you can hear yourself anywhere on the stage, um, but you can never get away from the sound, yeah. so depending on how loud you have it, it's pounding right at your eardrums the whole time. That's a good because point. You can never get away from it. So like, you know, like if you're playing with a drummer and he hits a crash cymbal or, or, or hits a China cymbal or something or whatever he has, and it's louder than hell. And you're just like, ow, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go near him in that song anymore. <laughs> you, know, you just sort of back away, you know, and uh, you, you naturally move to where it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, can't do that with in ears. You can't do that. You've, you're, yeah, you're trapped. 
And 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 man, if something happens too, where there's a the spike or something, have you ever seen people pull their inners out really yeah. fast? Oh yeah, <laughs> like fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I I just didn't do it because when they went to inject me for the mold, yeah, they just, they just started packing me, packing my ear. You know how they put that cardboard in there, and I was just like, whoa, 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 are we almost there yet? She's just like, oh, honey, we're not even halfway. And I was like, I I can't do this. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't even shot with the mold. Yeah, so I had it. I've done. Got a lot of things in my ears, but uh, I, I can't do the in ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels weird, especially when it yeah. dries and they pull it out. Uh, it's totally weird. Um, uh-uh. Mr. Anderson, thanks for the super chat. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be old enough to listen to all the great bands of the '90s: Nirvana, Alice in Chains, STP, Soundgarden, Munhoney. Rage Against the Machine, in my opinion, the last great decade for music. Any cool stories, Dean, from back then? Oh, I'm sure he's got plenty. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we could talk till, uh, till Monday morning, man. Yeah. Um, I'll tell yeah. you what. Um, one of my um, one of the things in my career uh, I didn't have to do, thank God, but one of my biggest fears was ever having to go on after Rage Against the Machine. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Those guys, whoa, I, I mean, you guys, have you, you've been to a Rage show back in the day, right? I never yes. went. I never went, no. I saw, I saw Rage, because I did some work for Rage, and I saw them, oh, God knows when it was, but I saw them uh, at the El Rey Theater. Oh. Talk about name. crazy. Oh my gosh, man. And that was awesome. Like a small show. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I bet they were amazing. I mean, yeah. they were definitely uh, a force to be reckoned with. And I, I expressed to Tom, I was like, God, my biggest fear in my career dude, is to ever have to go on after you. And I never did. We did a lot of shows together and we always kind of went on before them. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've crossed a lot of paths. And of course, um, I've done a lot of shows uh, with the great Alice in Chains, and um, you know, it's, it's an honor to call those cats my uh, my friends. Um, however, um, you know, it's 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 um, it's it's quite a moment when I have to go to Ch- Jerry or Mike and say, "Can you tell Sean to get out of our dressing room?" <laughs> <laughs> can, can you get get your drummer, Mr. Kenny, please? <laughs> I swear. Have you guys ever met Sean? Yes. No. No, he, no, no. That guy is he should be a stand-up. Yeah. Dude, the stuff he comes out with is just like, holy shit, man. <laughs> he's, he's really, really funny. But we we we're always crossing paths. Um and and um you know, William and I have a mutual friend. Um uh, our dear friend Russ Fowler did the. Uh, I think Williams Band was comes with a fall. Comes with the fall. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I Russ Fowler, a dear friend of mine, worked on that record. So we kind of go back. But man, I, I love those cats, man. You know, we're real, real sweet guys, man. I'm curious your thoughts on um, Van Halen and that style of music. Were, were you into it? Did 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 you like um, it? You know, uh, I hope I don't make any enemies here. I only just recently bought a few Van Halen songs, one of them being Panama, of course, but I never owned a Van Halen record, but I surely did see them 
on both the first and second record. I saw them at um, a place that we played uh, way later on back in Jersey uh, called Convention Hall. Hmm. And of course, you know, look, man, if we want to talk about somebody that really moved the needle, mm -hmm. really, you know, call it what you want. You want to use the word revolutionized? I mean, I think that fits. Mm -hmm. And has aptly been named King Edward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that fits. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've, never, I've never met Eddie. I've only met Michael um, and a very, very, very sweet, sweet man. Um, and I met Sammy, you know, if we want to go to the later, Alan. And, uh, oh, Sammy's a heck of a guy. I love him. And, and uh, but, yeah, they were surely, you know, uh, again, a force, you know, when yeah. gods walk the earth, man. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Patrick Miller has a question for you. Thanks for the super chat. STP is part of the soundtrack of my life. Thanks for all the great music and memories. As a songwriter, who is your who are your biggest influences? Um, well, thank you for the comment. Uh, the soundtrack to your life. Wow, that's that's you know that's that's a a heavy comment, and uh, it, it means a lot to me to, to hear something like that. Um, um, so, well, there's a lot of things that influence me, man. You know. Uh, fatherhood and marriage has surely impacted my life uh you know all for the better and there's a lot i can pull from from that um um you know just one of my greatest things is to just be out in the wilderness to be out in the mountains to be alone to be the with my family or kids my kids were raised uh, pretty much around horses their whole life, out in the ranch, out in the mountains. And, um, you know, I, I kind of get out in that that surrounding. And, you know, in my uh, in my outlook, in my, my view on being there, it's kind of a, a place where there's no perfecting it. It's, it's already perfect. There's no, there's no building upon it. And that, when I get into a place like that, that is really where I, I, I kind of like flourish. It's, it's not so much li really listening to music or doing anything like that. It's, it's just being in that really beautiful, serene surrounding that there's really no improving on. And it's funny because one of the songs that Tom and I did on the Trip to Witch record, Tom had these beautiful chords. Um, he sent me a video of him and uh, gosh, they're beautiful. And um it kind of sounded like a verse maybe. And I was out on a hike. I was way in the mountains. And the rest of that song came to me on this hike. I wasn't sitting in front of a stereo or with a guitar. I came up with this out in the mountains. And I FaceTime Tom. I go, I have this part for that. And I hummed it to him. And when I got back to the house, that's when I picked up the guitar and, and kind of was able to, I, there was one instance where I was really able to transpose what was going on in my being to the guitar, which I sometimes, it takes me a little while, but for that one, it just happened like that. So yeah, that's, those instances, you know, where I'm really uh, immersed in nature and with my family, that's what's really. Um, Inspirational. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, 
That's awesome. Prep level midnight. Thanks for the question. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the Henry Rollins story. <laughs> Henry Rollins bathroom story. <laughs> Woo! Uh, we were playing. Uh, yeah, we were opening for Henry at the Channel in Boston. And I'm doing a photo shoot and an interview for some guitar magazine. And don't ask me why, but our dressing room happened to have a bathroom. You think the headliner, who was Henry, and would have a bathroom in his dressing room. And I'm in there doing this photo shoot and uh, uh, this interview for this guitar magazine. And Henry just busts in like minutes before he was supposed to go on stage, all he had on was his black shorts. You know how we used to just come out there with nothing on with black shorts? Right. He was in and just walks in the room and just and had to use the bathroom. And we were just like, <laughs> oh, shit. You know, and he was just like, you know, like minutes before he was supposed to go on, so he was just like really fired up. And, you know, it was like quiet. I'm in there talking, doing this guitar interview and doing photos. And she's like, <laughs> and Henry comes in and he goes, I got to use the bathroom. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, shoot, man. Good story. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> did he destroy the bathroom? <laughs> I don't know quite what he did in there. I was, we were all taken back. We were all <laughs> so taken back by it. Like, you know, he, you know, before he goes on stage, man, he, he is, he is really geared up for that show. Yeah. You know, all he has on is, oh, so we were just really knocked back by because all he wears are these black shorts and all the gels out of all the park hands. This was just a club, you know, the channel in Boston. I don't even know if it's still there, but all the gels in the park hands, there's none. It's all just bright white lights. The whole stage is just bright white and like 110 degrees on stage. <laughs> and that's how he does the show. It's and, crazy. Uh, yeah, man. And uh, oh, he came in and he was on, whoo, I, I can't even say 11. He was on about 13. <laughs> and we were, we were just like, oh, Whoa. goodness. Yeah. Okay. True story, man. That's funny. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Dave Doherty, thanks for the super chat. Big fan of Dean and the show, guys. Just wondering if Dean could touch on Army of Anyone disc and that experience. Always been a big fan of it. Oh, well, he's the one. <laughs> the one person that got it. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Um, you know, um, I don't I don't really know. Obviously, there wasn't going on uh, much going on with STP. So we kind of like Robert and I were kind of diverting our interests elsewhere. And um, oh, no, I'll tell you what happened. Oh, my goodness. So Richard the great Richard Patrick from Filter calls Robert and I and says, hey, would you guys want to write for the new Filter record? So I think Robert suggested, hey, why don't the three of us have dinner? And we had dinner. Uh, and I was a little taken back. I was, I was little, I didn't know Robert was going to come out with this. So we're sitting there having dinner, Robert, Richard, and myself. And Robert goes, why don't we make a record? Why don't we, why don't we form a new thing? And I was like, Oh shit. Wow. That took me by surprise too. And mm. I was like, and I, I immediately thought like, that sounds like a great idea. And Richard goes, okay. Yeah. So Robert and I were doing a gig at NAM with the great Steve Ferroni. It was a great band. 
and I was in I was in way over my head, man. We have some Tower of Power cats on horns, Jeff, the great Jeff Young uh, mm -hmm. on keyboards and um, Miles Joseph on guitar. And I was on guitar and Roberts on bass and Ferroni on drums. And we were doing all this way out stuff, man, like Freedom Jazz Dance by like Brian Auger and all this stuff, man, like mm -hmm. way out stuff, man. <clears throat> and uh, we went on after... Um, so it was Billy Sheehan and this friend of Ray's, his name's Toshi, I believe, guitar player, mm -hmm. and the great Ray Luzier. And I swear, you guys, Robert and I were side stage watching Ray. We couldn't believe what we were seeing and hearing. Mm -hmm. I had never, up to that point, I had never seen anybody play drums like that. Mm -hmm. we, we were just like, there, there's our guy. So we approached Ray right after sound check before, mm -hmm. before he went on and Ray goes, you fuckers, man, you laid that on me before I had to go into a show. We walked up and we're like, Hey, you want to be in a band with us? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, Hey man, you want to be in a band? He's just like, you're kidding me right now. We're like, nah, man, we're going to do this thing with Richard Patrick. And Ray was like, well, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So, I think it was maybe two days later, we got together at, um, oh, shucks, what's the name of that that rehearsal joint? I forget the name of it. But we got together with Ray, and my gosh, man, we must have played, I think we played nonstop, just like a whole jam, like this jam, like nonstop jam for probably an hour and 40 minutes till Ray went, I got I to gotta use the restroom, man. <laughs> and it, it just clicked like that. And, um, you know, uh, we all jumped on it and started writing and writing. And uh, we were in the studio not too long after that. But sadly, man, that record went nowhere and went right over everybody's heads, man. Like nobody really got that record. And, uh, you know, that's, that's another another thing. I thought everybody was so brilliant on that record. And uh hmm especially Ray. I mean, he's just amazing on that. That was a great record, I thought. Yeah, so did we. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's one of those no one else, but... <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think, you know... Well, that's great. Um, yeah. So, Craig Sheehan has a super chat, but I don't see the question, and the same with uh, Joe Furla. I don't see the questions, guys, so I'm not sure... Um, what's up? So we got this, uh, Alex Lawrence. Sh shout out to Dean's playing. I attempted to learn one of his songs for a Christmas party. <laughs> and, oh Lord, mind you, I played in a Chick Corea cover band. Oh my gosh, <laughs> come on, our stuff's child's play compared to that. <laughs> I was gonna say, what song was it? Um, that's funny, by the way, Dean, how are you doing on time? You all right? I'm all right, man. Okay. Uh, Joe, here's Joe's question. Uh, Dave, do you have any recommendations? Uh, this is a question for Dave uh, on how to space equipment in your rack with cooling in mind. I have a Furman Sin 2, Sin 5050. I would tell you put a space between your 5050. Uh, an Alesis MIDI verb in a four rack, four uh, unit rack. He only has four spaces. So just put the Alesis above, power amp at the bottom, Alesis above that, and then. Mm. The, the sin above that and the firm, and you got to leave a little space for the power amp to breathe. That, that one gets hot. 
Now, I did I did hear Stevie Fry at say that he he barely keeps any space between his and you can keep it and it'd be fine. But yeah, it just just might melt cords and stuff. Yeah, he just said he keeps. <laughs> no, no, like literally, like if the cords are laying across the top of the power amp where the tubes are, especially that one. Hmm. It, I mean, you don't want to touch that. <laughs> well, the tubes are really the hot. Tubes exposed. Yeah. yeah. The well, they're not exposed. The air conditioner, man, set up by the air conditioner. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Put a fan on it. <laughs> no, the the fifty fifty. You're right. The, it's yeah. not exposed. The Sin two. Yeah, two. yeah. I'm not worried. The Sin two is not any issues, yeah, but yeah. the 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 fifty fifty is hot. So gotcha. It it'll give it enough air though, because the Elise's thing's short, so it should be okay. Okay. Uh, stay curious, Dean. I've always wondered why did Scott's voice sound different on Tiny Music versus the others? Love the rawness of that album. Uh, yeah, I think, um, it was kind of, uh, we were, we were, uh, we'll, we'll put it this way. We were running on high test then. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times yeah. during the making of that record Ooh. is what you're saying. What's that? Wait a minute. Where did you make that record? Didn't you make it at, um, the, 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 place in malibu no we did that one out in the beautiful santa Inez valley oh santa Inez, man we rented this house oh gosh it was it was really nice we rented this like it was like a thirty thousand square foot house on a hundred acres mm -hmm. yeah, we really went back to our blues roots man <laughs> <laughs> um it was it was really really nice we we wrote and recorded the record there and what's what's interesting about that record if you listen to that record on in headphones man there's so much bleed going on because we had no separation we're all oh, that's the beauty of it though yeah right. that really is the beauty it's oh, just yeah. like you know hyper isolating everything and especially you know these days hyper isolating everything editing everything yeah. It takes all the vibe out of it, man. It's uh, like yeah. all those old records had bleed, like Led Zeppelin records bleed, yes. lots of bleed. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, well, I can't push the hi hat up because there's too much bleed. So, oh well. <laughs> I know that's what it was, man. That's what yeah. it was, and uh, yeah, we were all just up and running in the same room, loud. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. High test times. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say um, yeah. Scott's voice was uh, was very much different on that record. Uh, uh, you know, man, we we just did a re-release for that record for Tiny Music, and I did a lot of press for that, and I was really shocked. I was really taken back to hear what people had to say about that record. A lot of people really dig that one. Oh, that's and, an amazing uh, record. I thought great record. Uh, yeah, one of my good. favorite ones, actually. I think. Yeah, that's what a lot of people said, man. I was like, really? Wow. But uh I like four also too. The the the, the album, the black album, is that four, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or the with the star on it, right? Or something. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. been a while since I saw the cover of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a cool record too, I thought. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, I loved them all, but well, number four has actually one of my favorite songs I think the band has ever cut. And uh I, I cannot take the credit for writing. It's a song on there that has uh, very much of a country tinge to it. And at the time, I was really 
I was uh, really listening to a lot of that stuff. It's a song called I Got You. And I had always wanted to solo with a baritone. Mm. And I had acquired, I'd got myself one of these 1959 six-string longhorns. Okay. And that's what I used on that track. I soloed with a, with a 59 uh, baritone. Dan Electro Longhorn. And yeah, actually, cool. uh, uh, we did a version of uh, the house you're talking of for Shangri-La Da. We did yes. up this house in Malibu. And Glenn stopped by one day, the great Glenn Campbell. Hmm. And uh, you can go on YouTube and find it. Just type in you know, Stone Temple with Glenn Campbell. And we did a version of Wichita Lyman. Glenn's playing that, that guitar. Oh, Brent, cool. Brendan's playing Rhodes, and uh, we did a nice little version of Wichita Lineman, and uh, uh, that was that was quite a day, boy. That that day emotionally really took it out of us with having Glenn up there and up at the house, and uh, we we did a uh, we did Wichita, and then Robert grabbed grabbed the guitar out of my hand, and I took the bass, and I didn't really know the song, but I was kind of watching the changes, and we did. Uh, by the time I get to Phoenix, uh, that one's not on, on YouTube though, but you can see Wichita and boy, Glenn, that guy was something else, man. You know, there's, there's sometimes you meet people in life who are just electric. Mm. They're, mm -hmm. they're plugged in. They are just yeah. plugged in. Bukovac's one of them, mm. right? Bukovac's mm. one of them. I've had the great fortune of being in the studio with the great Steven Tyler. He's one of them. Glenn Campbell was surely one of them. You know, there's just they're just electric, man. Everything they do is just like, oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard, I heard Gilmore's like that too. I never never met David, but Ezrin said, Oh, Gilmore's like that, man. He just never hits a clunker. He's always on it. I bet. Yeah. yeah Amazing. I'm sure. I've seen him alive a few times. Always great. Um, Pasquale Morelli. Um, Bummer, the Perdita tour uh, was canceled. That record is fantastic. Display of songwriting. What acoustics do you use in the studio? Um, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I might have a, I'll have a picture here. Hang on. It might take me too long to find it. Um, uh well, we had a lot of uh, acoustic instruments to choose from, man. Um, we had, you know, a few old Martins, a few old Gibsons. Uh, I have a 1950 J50 that just sounds really, really good, and uh, I use that a lot. And um, The Yamaha FG160 that I was speaking of earlier that my mom bought me, um, you know, I don't know how my mom did it, man. Like, we didn't have money coming up, but... You know, if I if I expressed to her, man, I want to play guitar. She made darn sure that I got a guitar. Mm -hmm. I don't know how she did it. You know, if, hey, mom, I want to play hockey. Okay, let's go get some skates. Mm -hmm. You know, so she bought me this guitar. It was a 1970s Yamaha FG160. And here's a little story for you. So I'm in the ISO booth. We were making purple, and I had, uh, you know, this was only the second album, so I hadn't acquired a heck of a lot of acoustic um, guitars. And I'm in the NISO booth, and Brendan couldn't see me. And we had some of most of Brendan's guitars, these amazing old Martins and, you know, 
some Gibsons, stuff like that. And I had my Yamaha there and I'm going one by one. And Brenda's like, okay, next one, next one. Oh yeah. What's that one? I go, that's my Yamaha. <laughs> Against all these Martin stuff. He's like, let's use that one. So, yeah. um, my son Rocco, who has really kind of came into his own as a songwriter and a player. And he's, he's just one of these, one of these cats and, you know, plays drums great, plays piano great, plays guitar, plays bass, he composes. And um, I gave him that guitar for his 16th birthday. Mm. So I had to borrow that from him while we were making Perdita. And it's really an extraordinary sounding guitar. And uh, Robert brought in a lot of his stuff and Eric had some cool stuff as well. Um, You know, some, you know, a, a lot of wacky stuff too, like wacky stuff. Hang on a second. Let me see if I got this here. Hang on. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> and this might be a good time to remind everybody to uh subscribe to the channel okay, are you guys ready for this yeah so we use the heck out of these on perdita and and they're just like junkers hmm. right they're like they're like make-believe dan electros huh. but they man do they got a sound Um, wow. that's that one. So you can hear this. Robert played the solo on, um, on a couple of things on this one. <laughs> I mean, they're wow, just like, looking. yeah, that's, that's wild. Are those currently made? Or are those... You know, um, you can even tell, you can even tell here, you know, like over no, this, they have this thing, it's a really round, really kooky, kooky sound, like, like kooky. And, um, I'm trying to think. Robert Solid with with the um, the teardrop one, he used on. Uh, well, he soloed on. Uh, I think Miles Away. Uh, that's that's the guitar he used on that. But it was you know. That was kind of, a lot of coming from the school of Brendan, like, like. You know what? It it kind of sometimes sounds better when you have to like kind of work at it. Sure. Try to get, you know, you got to work at it a little more. And, you know, these guitars are not by any means great playing guitars. And um, they just have this really unique sound that you can couldn't get from a nice guitar. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, right? I mean, they're just like yeah. these bombers. But, yeah. boy, you know, you get them in front of a microphone and you're like, oh, that's that's very interesting sounding. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, Eric Johnson, the great Eric Johnson is, <laughs> is here. Um, great show guys. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, saw Dean rock the house at pain in the grass, 2018 with the cult and Alice in oh. chains in Washington state. Dean, can you talk about your Les Pauls? Um, also <laughs> some, someone had asked before about pickups as well in your Les Pauls. Oh, heck man. You know what? I think we, I think we, um, Oh shucks, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I know they might have some. They're they're definitely Seymour Duncan pickups. Hmm. They're definitely Seymour Duncan. I can't say enough about those guys, boy. They've been really good to us um, over the years, and um, I, I think the Les Pauls have have some Seymour Seymour Duncan pickups in them, or they might be original. I'm not sure. I'm sorry, but I I will tell you, I don't know why. And these are 
really frowned upon and they're, they are really frowned upon, but my Les Pauls, for some reason, the guitar I spoke of earlier, the brand new burst that I bought, I mean, I was a kid in 1978, I was 16, 17 years old and I went up, I took the train up from my little town in New Jersey. I took the train up with a couple friends we went into Manhattan and I had like seven $100 bills on me in like mm. 1978. And man, I don't know if you guys were ever in Manhattan in the 1970s. It was a fucking war zone. Yeah, I lived there. Right? <laughs> yeah. War zone. There. You know, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Who was the mayor? Was that Koch? Yeah, I think it was Koch. Was Koch and that place was a war zone, man. And here we are, three three little buckaroos, and I got like seven big ones in my pocket. And we went up there with one thing in mind, I was going to buy my first Les Paul. And, uh, yeah, I bought that guitar in 1978. I still have the receipt for it. And for some reason, every Les Paul that came into my life thereafter, I don't know why, they're all 78s. <laughs> They're all 78s. I was in Pittsburgh one time, the wino one that I always play. I was in Pittsburgh and it was a 78 on the wall. I think I paid like 625 bucks for it way back in the early <laughs> 90s. I still use that guitar. The black one was one that I knew I was going to be going out on the road for Stones of Pilots. I didn't really have the bread to buy a new guitar. So I traded a guitar for it. This cat got the better part of the deal, believe me. I traded, um, uh, I think it was a 64 or a 66, beautiful ES330. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I had no choice, man. I needed a backup guitar. The band was just about to get rolling to go on the road. You were probably building my rack, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I had no choice. I didn't have the bread to go buy a new guitar, so... I traded somebody straight across for for that. I traded a three thirty for that Black West Paul, which um, I use to this day. But I, I'll tell you, I've I've switched over. Um, starting in two thousand nineteen, uh, and you know I can't say enough about this cat. Is is Bruce Nelson? Um, Bruce has built me all of my guitars now because honestly. Um, I had some health issues back in uh, 19 and you know, those Les Pauls, man, they're like 13, 14 pounds. And I just, yeah, they're heavy as, they're yeah. heavy as heck. And Bruce built me some guitars out of roasted pine that not only just play better and intonate better and they sound great. Um, but I got like five pounds over my shoulder and Bruce right. is an extraordinary luthier builder and um that's what i've been pretty much using lately i mean just uh you know just going into rehearsal just the other day i was driving i was driving to rehearsal when i saw you just a couple weeks ago dave yeah um he said oh he goes i got something here for you i'm like oh what do you got he goes i, I built you another guitar so uh pretty much everything i'm using right now is stuff he built and he built me a um it's a roasted pine body, maple neck, roasted maple neck with uh, Lawler, the high output Lawlers in them. Mm -hmm. a roasted pine body, and it's it's the same kind of um, uh, dimensions, the body, as like a special. Not real thick, like a Les Paul, a little thinner, mm. and 
so this one that he built me it's now now has become as of last week it's my main guitar from the night i've replaced uh, one of bruce's guitars with my main black les paul hmm. gotcha and, uh, so when you went to those les pauls they, they start to cut off my circulation for goodness sakes yeah, having... Jimmy attributes some spinal issues to toting one of those for you know. Decades. Yeah, there's no doubt. Sure, absolutely. I always I always wondered how Jimmy Page played them, and and then well, also the little thin strap. Yeah, thin strap, and it was hanging down to his knees. Like, geez. I know. I know. Well, his arms were so long, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, well, so... Bruce actually answered me on the pickups. Oh, we lost uh, Dean. Oh, he just dropped off. He'll be back. I'm sure of it. Yes. Uh, there he is. Oh, sorry, guys. You there? Yeah. yeah. That was no weird. What, yeah, uh, what happens, happens sometimes. <laughs> I'm glad you're back, though. Well, Bruce, uh, Bruce I, I actually texted Bruce while we were on here. And. <laughs> I guess the oh, so right. pickups are in Dean's guitars. <laughs> <laughs> did he answer you back? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he did. Actually, the '78 was just stock Gibson. Okay. Uh, on that one, at least. And then I asked him all of them, uh, and I, and then he, uh, oh, he started. Yeah, he's, oh wait, here we go. Here we go. The '78 Les Paul are stock. We have a B rig that sometimes gets used in South America, and those were weight relief Les Pauls from the 2000s. I put Duncan Jazz in those. Hmm. There you go. Okay, there you go. Very cool. There you oh wait, it. there's more coming. <laughs> go ahead, ask. It's going to take right. a second. Solar Warden, thanks for the super chat. Yo, Dean, why the Demeter uh, TGP three? Uh, how did you get into it? Uh, what characteristics do you like about that preamp? And uh, what are your <laughs> favorite power tubes? <laughs> oh, there it is. Yep. That's uh, my main guitar now. Cool. Oh, that's nice that's and cool. light. Yeah. Roasted pine. That looks great. Really light. Yeah. And it's, it's, it that plays great. so great. And you know, you know, the, the cordings that I generally use, you know, you know, if the guitar is ever so slightly out of tune, God, it just, it just doesn't sound good. And his guitars intonate really beautifully. And all those, those kooky chords that I play uh, kind of ground out, they, they, you know, just, I mean, there's nothing worse than when it's just like a little out of tune, it just drives me up a wall, man. Right, right. Yeah, especially when you're doing those types of chords. Especially yeah. those chords. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. cats scratching on glass or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why the so, number TGP three? Well, how did you get one into it? What characters do you like about the preamp? Uh there we go. There's a tube question. Yes, favorite power tubes. <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know what's cool about the um the Vera Drive too? That Vera Drive has an AX7 in it, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. You know, uh, uh, you know, distortion box that has a, a tube in it, which is which is kind of yeah. Cool. It's, a, it's basically a little tube preamp, a distortion yeah. box that that yeah. uh, Rick, Rick Hamill made. Rick Hamill is an 
Oh, actually, we still, uh, I still use Rick Hamill to repair a bunch of things. Like, uh, Rick Hamill is the repair god of like echoplexes and, uh, and, uh, and all those really old funky things. If he can't repair it, it can't be repaired. Wow. Hey, yeah. will you do a favor? Can you send me his email or his number? Yeah, sure. I got to call that cat. I mean, I haven't spoken to him in years because i used to live in san diego and that's where he was at mm -hmm. yep and still there. Be, he's still down there yeah still down yeah, there he's a sweetheart man and he just he just yeah i mean i'm still still using that vera drive um okay so back to the tgb3 i i use it because it sounds great <laughs> so, you know it, 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 I understand why they said that because it was sort of an oddball out back when all the preamps were the rage it was slightly the oddball out, you know. It was. It was. Uh, it, it, yours sounds particularly good. I think. I don't know. Maybe he changed. I don't know. <laughs> well, but, I, uh, again, the first one I had, I, I think, was one of the first ten made. Yeah. And I have yeah. like six of them now. I just was buying them every time. So, and and a couple of them are like, you know, I think the first one I bought is definitely one of the top ten made. And I have two of them that are definitely within the top twenty, but mm -hmm. they sound great. And I don't, I don't know what it would sound like with something else. But as I said, man, in conjunction with that VHT, mm -hmm. it's just it works mm -hmm. for me. It gives me yeah. everything I need. And then the the, the Intelliverb too is so rich and 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 vibey. It's got. And when I heard it again, when I redid those racks, I'm like, because I hadn't heard an Intelliverb for years, you know. And uh, and I heard that, and I was like. Man, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it does, man. It sounds. I'm like staring at the preamp and the power amp and the rack piece, and I'm like going, "Man, that's good." <laughs> right, so the next time we're across the street, you got to come over and get in front of it. Oh no, yeah, and, okay. Oh man, it's just it's. Man, it makes your teeth rattle, man. Yeah. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, on, on the thing Bruce added, he goes, "The reason he picked the jazz pickup." Because it was the closest pickup he could find that was like the set pickups in the 78. Hmm. He said it was oh. mid 7.6K ish reading with Alnico 5. So that's why he picked it. I have it. no idea what that means. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Some that's people great. out there do, and now you got the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Jonathan Linton, thanks for the super chat. Hey, Dean, huge STP fan from Taiwan. Wow. Could you please tell us what the amp and effects chain was for Plush? The rack. It was that rack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was that rack. And I'm sorry. I bet you Bruce would know the patch. I think it might be patch 111 on the Intelliverb. I'm not sure. But it was, it was basically my live rig was um, the tone for Plush. You know, the, the BHT amp, the Demeter preamp. With the Intelliverb, and I think it might be patch 111. I'm not sure. I yeah. also, you know, I, I kind of cut back. Um, you know, I got into that thing and I kind of cut back on some of the effects. I just kind of reeled in the chorus kind of effect and I reeled in the, the delay. Uh, mm. And I actually reeled it in a little more as years went on. I just didn't want so much of it. But um, that, that was the plush tone, basically my live rig. Yep, that's great. Yeah, uh, Dave Dowerty, thanks for the super chat. Dean, favorite tour lineup you've been part of, either headlining or opening. Thanks again, guys. Cheers. Thank you. 
Well, um, you know, it's never it's never fun to be the opening act, especially when you're out with Aerosmith. Um, I mean, you know, STP toured with Aerosmith when STP was, um, um, you know, selling records and doing pretty good business on our own. But we just, you know, chose to open up for Aerosmith on a couple of tours, actually. And, um, you know, it, it was obvious that it, it didn't matter too much uh, who we were at the time, which, which was a pretty, um, a, a, a fairly well-known act, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, this is when the day with Scott. And we were, we were really just the opening act when we were up, up with a band like Aerosmith. Like, you know, people were still filing in. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were, you know, messing with their cell phones and, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a complete honor because, you know, those guys were so impactful on all of us, such a part of our musical upbringing. But, um, you know, it, 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 it was, uh, as, as, as amazing as it was, it was also trying, you know, mm. being the opening act for such a legendary, huge band. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, the same goes for that, that first real, real tour that we did opening for Megadeth back in the day. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. That was, that was tough, man. You know, we just had all little, you know. Oh, my God. All the metalheads going, what's this? Oh, just, you know, it was, it was once again, it was people filing in. And, you know, we come out and we're doing basically the first record. And it was just, you know, you know, it was torture. It was people yelling at us, you know obscenities and you know god bless him mr mustaine actually would walk out on stage we we needed this much help dave would walk out uh on a few nights and be like hey you know what i i handpicked these guys you better be respectful you know you know what this i i i I handpicked these guys these are friends of mine so be cool i was like wow far out man yeah, that's cool. And then, uh, nice yeah, it was really cool. And then, um, you know, sex type things started gaining some momentum. And then, uh, man, when Plush hit, wherever we were playing with Megadeth, we noticed when we go on, boy, the places were full. Mm. There's nobody filing in anymore. And nobody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, all right, things are changing, man. The weather's changing. But Dave was real, real good to us, man. Real good to us. Um, and I'll tell you, this last tour we just did, um, uh, the last couple of tours we did were amazing, man. That Rev Three thing we did with uh, Bush and the Colt, boy, that was that was a great tour, man. It was hmm. a great, great tour. And you know, uh, you know, Bush was amazing live, man. They're just amazing, amazing oh, yeah. live band. And, you know, you it's not until you really sit down and, and hear them and watch them, you're like, oh, yeah, these guys, you know, they were a lot of hits, man. Not that that means anything, but, hmm. and of course, the great, the cult, you know. And um, so that was a nice tour. And, and the tour we just did with Rival Sons, you know, was, was really a great tour. But, uh, yeah, um, gosh, I could go on and on, you know, there's – so many bands, you know, back in on the Purple Tour, it was a, a great tour we did with, um, I was up real late one night watching MTV, 
Now, MTV Kids was a, was a television station that used to play videos. <laughs> <laughs> music. You used to have music. <coughs> Absolutely. I was 120 minutes one night, middle of the night, and I'm watching, and this band, Jawbox, comes on. Do you guys remember them? No. Jawbox? They were out of D.C., and they did a record called, I think it's called For Your Own Special Sweetheart. And I, gosh, I forget the name of the song. And I just fell in love with them. And uh, we brought them out on the road and um, the Meat Puppets. And that was a great tour. And uh, prior to that tour, we brought out the great Flaming Lips on their second album. Hmm. Oh, wow. Which was, a, which was a great tour. And Ronald Jones was in the band at the time. There are other... Other guitar player, Ronald Jones, and he left the band just after that record. But uh, hmm. you know, a uh, phenomenal band. You know, like Stephen uh, Stephen Droz in that band is boy. He's he's one of those cats I could add to the list. It's just plugged in, man. Hmm. Electric, you know, electric guy, just multi instrumentalist, very very talented. Um, really good. That's great. Uh, James Maxwell, thanks for the super chat. How cool. I just got home from my gig and Tone Talk is live, the best show on YouTube. Hey, thank you. <laughs> nice job, fellas. The best lot, show on YouTube. There's a lot to watch on YouTube. Well, we, you know, we we applaud all you guys that watch this show because sometimes these shows are very long. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. We ever come up on two hours. I agree. And that's not even close to long. We've done oh four-hour shows. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. If you ever want to watch a very, very amusing, shall we say, high test show, as you put it, <laughs> you watch the uh, episode I did with Jakey Lee. Oh wow! In the same room in in Vegas. Oh, shoot. drinking. It's, it's quite the. <laughs> it was high test. Quite the spectacle. It's, it's quite. It's quite the high test show. Yes. By the end of it, I yeah. Hey, dude. Didn't speak anymore. Junie, yeah. what you doing? Come here, want to say hi? <laughs> My girls are probably wondering, what's dad doing out there? <laughs> what's dad doing all this while out there? Yeah, hey, he's been gone a long time. Hi. Hey there. Hi. Hello. Does she look like someone? <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is June. You're live. Yeah. You're th this is Mark and this is Dave. Nice to meet you. And, and you're, you're live, live on YouTube, YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Hello. We got like we have like 400 people watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, baby. I'm going to finish up here. Okay, dad. Love you. Love you. Oh, Bye. Very cute. Very, very nice. cute. That's, That's inspiration, man. Exactly. How many kids do you have, Dean? Two. Two? Yep. I have an eight-year-old son in June's nine. Ah. Yeah. That's great. Uh Zeke. And then you had you have an older didn't you have an older son or no? Yes. Yeah, Rocco's yes. eighteen. Yeah. Rocco's eighteen. Yeah. And that was from pre a previous kid. marriage or something? Rocco's from uh he has a different mom and June's yeah. from my, my current wife. Ah. Yep. Cool. Uh Zeke. Dean, still have my talk show cassette tape. And Dave, we are ready for your take on the new vintage line AC30. 
Come on, Dave. Actually, I'm doing. I'm going to do an AC30. What are you waiting on? <laughs> Give me a minute. I'm doing it. <clears throat> Get it going. You know, uh, and then and then I'll let you check one out. Oh man, was, I'd love to yeah. get that up on stage. Yeah. So uh, my AC 30s, I used to bring out my old vintage ones. Yeah. And man, I tell you, man, by the grace of God, I've always had just great, great luck. My gear never, never broke. Mm-hmm. And I had all my old ones out there with the tubes upside down. You know, this oh yeah, worst design ever. I went to newer ones that have a master vinyl. Yeah. Because. Um, I've turned down over the years, man, those AC thirties are loud. Mm. And, um, so yeah, I, I was, um, really helped out by those cats and Dave Unger, who was with them and, and boy, they were so kind to us over there. And, uh, we, we got a couple of them with, with the master volume that really, really helps out a lot. Mm. Cool. So you're going to put a master volume on yours? Maybe yours. I don't want them pink though. Oh no, no. you know it's gonna be pink now. You, you now you cursed it. <laughs> How about orange? Can I do orange? You can do orange. <laughs> Does Dean remember what uh Mesa Boogie he used in Mighty Joe Young? Uh he let me sit on one night in Bakersfield. It was a hoot. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Uh, you know Mesa Boogie. I I don't know, man. Uh, does he remember me using a boogie? I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember. I do remember a gig in Bakersfield, and we went to stay at these these people's house because it was a. Oh shucks! I kind of remember this gig. If it was a very early on gig. And we went to these people's house because we didn't have bread for a hotel or anything. We went to these people's house and they had three Great Danes, maybe two, maybe three. And, you know, the Great Danes, they, their ears weren't cut. So they had these big floppy ears. And when you sat down on the cage and on the couch or something, the dog's head was like looking down at you. <laughs> I remember this one kind of gave you a look like, I'll give you a five second leap. <laughs> and I remember Scott was on the couch and his dog's looking down at him. He looks at me like, we're fucking out of here. He's going to eat us. And we split. I don't know where we went, but maybe it was that night. And I, I don't I don't remember using a boogie. That's funny. Did you ever use like backline stuff or anything like that? Or like rent backline or somebody yeah. else's? Yeah. Um I mean, we did when we would like go to South America or Europe just for, uh, Mm. it's so expensive to ship gear. And that's when I kind of, I was in Finland and I used like some 20 or 25 watt Celestians and I really noticed it and I I didn't dig it. Gotcha. But uh, I always kind of travel with my rack and my pedal board. And if I need to rent backline, I I would do so. Gotcha. We have, we just have a few more questions, Dean. I know it's uh, approaching two hours. Um, for you, uh, Brendan Mawat Smith. Thanks for the super chat. Thanks for doing this, guys. Dean is my fave. Do you remember what you used on? And so I know. And was there any particular influence on that track? Uh, yeah, the guitar I used on "So I Know" is sitting right in the corner of my dining room here. It's a 1952 ES295. Hmm. Mm. It's sitting right over in the corner, and uh, I use that and a strap. 
a 56 strap and uh the house i was telling you about we recorded in the foyer of this place literally the chandelier was as big as my dining room this this foyer was was a, a, a like a three-quarters size of a gymnasium wow. and we used the the reverb you hear on that track is the room hmm. that's how verby the room was so yeah, I used that 295 and I used a, a strat on that. And the solo, oh heck, I don't rightly remember what the solo was. It was Brendan's guitar. We cut the solo down in Atlanta um, at Southern Tracks and I used one of Brendan's, uh, it was a jazz box. It was uh, some type of Gibson hollow body. I forget what, what it was actually. Okay. Uh, David Addington said he clarified that it was a one by 12 combo with an extension speaker. I guess that's the Mesa boogie that he was talking about. Oh, oh wait, a one by 12 combo. Oh, shucks, I don't remember that. I don't remember that for a little while. Uh, and dig this, man. For a little while, my speakers, stereo for playing the Coconut Teaser and Lingerie and Bakersfield, I was using those Mesa Boogie 112 boxes. Mm -hmm. Remember those? Yeah, the little ones, yep. You know, where, you know what happened to mine? No. I gave them to my friend, Alan Holdsworth. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan lived in San Diego. We, yeah, we were introduced and we hung out. We hung out from time to time, and um, uh, boy, he was—he was fun, man. He was—he was—he liked was his cool. beer. He turned down Donald Fagan because he was trying to perfect this thing called the the, the Fizzbuster. Yes, yes, I remember. Yes. And, yeah, and uh, Gordon Beck was there when I, you know, Alan did some records with Gordon, and and you know, Gordon said, you know, it, it took Fagan a long time to to muster up to call Alan to, to come out on the road, and, and Holdsworth, Holdsworth was like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, working on this fizz buster to, to cut down the fizz when he poured his beer. Like, yeah, out of the tap. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a few more super chats that we got. Uh, Dylan Ryan was wondering what were some of your favorite guitars of post-punk goth era, uh, if any. Also thought the early STP albums were darker and was wondering if any of those bands were an influence. Post-punk uh, goth era. Post-punk and goth era. Mm. I mean, would The Cure fall into that? Smiths? Didn't you talk about The Smiths? Smiths? Yeah, Smiths. I love what Johnny was doing. Absolutely love, man. Uh, really love Johnny Marr and all that he was doing. And like, like I said, man, that was like an event when a new Smith's record was coming out. I was in line to buy it. And uh, actually you had the opportunity to see those guys a couple times. Um, and I, and again, I never owned a cure record, but I surely loved and love you know all that they did and just you know some of those songs are just you know really emotionally get me some of that cure stuff mm. um i don't know who else falls into that category honestly i don't know who else to even think about help me out fellas 
Who else would that be? Uh, Post punk goth era. Um, geez. I don't know. I don't would know. like stuff like Mission UK fall into that, or uh, oh, I know, I know a song. Jesus and the Mary Chain. Does that fall into that? Yeah, I can't say I really uh, knew any of that stuff, but I, there's a song that I really do love, "Under the Milky Way Tonight" by the Church. Oh yeah. Mm. Great song, man. Great song. Um, you know, that that era of music, I really didn't um, – I kind of missed it. Mm. I kind of missed it. I was really uh, – I kind of never left my I, – I am such a prog freak. Like, I kind of – Oh, that's why you and Steve get along. Right. Steve, yeah. Steve Stevens, he loves yeah. prog, He's super prog free, and Tom too. Like we're that's what we had to you know talk about a lot, you know, and um, yeah, I mean those Yes records, man. Yeah, the, amazing, the great John Anderson, Steve mm -hmm. Howe. Um, I mean, you know, I had the fortune of seeing those guys a few times, seeing Yes and Chris Squire and. Oh my gosh, man! That that band was a real. Those records really mean a lot to me, you know, and and the Genesis stuff and the Gabriel stuff, and um, you know, I, I really followed the careers of people in those bands too. Like I followed Bruford's career, like the record he did with Holdsworth and Jeff Berlin and Dave Stewart, you know, one of a kind, the Bruford stuff, and then, you know, I followed a lot of where Holdsworth went, like the IOU stuff, and then you know. Um, what he did in UK, like that UK record with, with uh, Bruford and Jobson and Wetton and Allen, man, that's, that's one of my, my favorite records. So I really kind of, I think I more or less stayed in that world during that post-punk prog thing. And I was a late bloomer coming to the punk thing. Of course, I, I really was a late bloomer and uh, I definitely appreciated it more later in life than when it was happening. And I will tell you, because I'm a little older than you fellas, there was a couple of brothers in my high school that were just hip as heck, man. They they always had these cool clothes, and uh, they always had like great guitars. The younger one was a bass player, and the older one was the was the guitar player. And they was you know, hmm. Tim had a Les Paul, and Pat had like you know, the the uh, big like EBS bass Gibson yeah. bass. And they're always dressed so cool and like, and then and then when Nevermind the Bullocks came out, like the younger brother came into school one day with a Nevermind the Bullocks shirt, and he had a dog collar with a lock. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit, man! The winds of change are blowing, man!" Wow. But uh, yeah, so he went from wearing like knee high, you know moccasins and bell bottoms to like came in like you know and i was just like oh my goodness yeah. dude, this is what's happening here and of course um i'll tell you you know who really introduced me and and i lived with that was scott scott was really and and this will make sense now when you see scott and you're going to think of this and he was he was really taken back by Leiden. He loved Leiden, man. That makes sense and, now. Right? 
Uh, over the years, yeah, a lot of the looks and the vibe, yeah, I could, I can mm. see that for sure. Well, he loved yeah. Leiden, man, yeah. and I'll tell you one of the one of the high points. You know, I've been very fortunate to do some really, really nice things in my career, and one of the one of the the highlights for for both Scott and I could feel how excited he was was um, we played the Gibson Amphitheater. Remember that place, mm -hmm. Universal there? Yeah, great venue. Yep. Yeah, Jonesy, Jonesy came up one night and we did bodies. Uh, yeah, Jonesy. Every every uh, every year, well, until COVID, uh, I would go to Jerry Cantrell's birthday party. Of course, yeah. you did. <laughs> I did. And, uh, I don't think you can come on camera dressed like that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and and Jonesy was always there, so you know. And Brendan's been there too, yeah, a few times. And uh, and I, I remember one time I'm, I'm I walk in and at the table is is Jonesy, and there's this guy Jonesy, Steve Perry. Oh, okay? yeah. And, and then there's this guy telling Steve Perry that he should be the si singer for the Sex Pistols. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was Jonesy saying that or some? No, dude? no, no, no. Some other guy was saying that, and I'm just like listening to this, going, "Oh, not believing <laughs> what you're hearing, right?" But yeah, I can't believe what I'm hearing. An another time, I walk in, it, it, it was always an interesting uh, mix of people. I mean, Stephen Tyler's been there, and but uh, another time, I walk in, and it's it's um, Billy Duffy, uh, Brendan O'Brien, and Wayne Kramer having a discussion on his couch. You know, oh my just God. like a weird mix of like, uh, yeah, you know, fun stuff. Um, it, it's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I, you know, I went to one of Cantrell's party many, many, many years ago, and uh, he always lets me know he's having it. And I, I'm gonna go, we gotta go to the next one, man. Yeah, the next one, one if yeah, generally it's in, um, March or April or something. March ish, like around yeah. March generally. So, so maybe maybe it'll happen this year. Maybe we'll yeah, see. Right. right. I'd like it to happen. That'd be fun. Hey, quick question. Uh, I love those guys, man. I love. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always so fun when we when we kind of all get together at one of these festivals or something, and it's always, you know, with with a lot of bands like that, there's always a lot of kind of mumbo jumbo bouncing around and some ego man but you know there's just some bands that kind of we get with it's just it's pleasant you know it's just really pleasant right right it's just so and there's you know definitely when we run into the chains cats man it's just so fun and so nice and feels like home you know mm -hmm. right right it doesn't feel like competition or no no right that's great um so there were a couple of other super chats uh, before we let you go, Dean. If that's okay, if that's cool with you, yeah. Uh, uh, so the first was from Eric Fraser. Did you take any lessons? No, never took lessons. Cool. Um, Mike in Miami said uh, originally a Monmouth County Jersey boy. Saw you guys at the Garden State Art Center in two thousand ten. Yeah. You guys killed it. Great show. The tone was spot on. Uh, um, and then Eric Fraser said, Dean, do you recall any kind of bizarre guitar rig setups in the studio where you were like, wow, I can't believe we captured that. <laughs> um, well, heck, 
I don't know. It's more, it's more about just, you know, we spoke of this earlier. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's really about being in front of the speakers and, and I mean, for me anyway, I'm sure it's different for so many and it's, it's just, it's all about what you're going for and what you want to cop. You know, it's what you want to get. And, and it can be, you know, something is so gentle and, 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 you know, maybe even strumming with your thumb because the thumb can give you such a different sound than a pick. Mm-hmm. And I know Bukovac, you know, Bukovac will use every part of his pick. He'll use the shoulder, the, the, the top of the pick, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just about getting that tonality to really speak within the song. And it could be like, man, you could have a hacksaw where you're just like grinding it about to break every string on it or something as gentle as, you know, just, just touching it with your thumb. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's more about that. Um, um, and just kind of nailing, um, uh, the performance aspect of it, just capturing this great performance or, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so great, but it has a vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so a question from Eric Johnson, uh, did Dean ever use motor city pickups? I don't know of them. He said he heard a rumor that you did. Um, I think you might've, I was just thinking back to that too, for a second. I think Bruce tried some or something with you once. Oh, oh that's Bruce. it's so funny yeah i I think there was one or something yeah uh and then tracy norton uh tracy uh dean speaking of records anything in your record collection that would raise an eyebrow with your friends bandmates that has an impact on your writing or playing ear um Yeah, the new Trip the Witch record. <laughs> yeah, that's not in your record collection yet, though. Well, it's in my phone. <laughs> but, uh, I'll tell you, man. You know, one of the beauties of, of this whole onslaught and these platforms that we have, are you guys noticing how talented, like amazingly talented musicians are these days mm-hmm. like what's in the water nowadays because i know how i was playing when i was I, I see some some people playing uh young young uh men and women playing like i've never seen before like the level of talent is through the roof and i'm i'm so grateful for them that they have this platform to display their talents you know via instagram or what have you you mm-hmm. know and, and I, I tell you man I, I really go down the rabbit hole and just see these these people playing and i'm so knocked back man like do you, are you guys noticing that the level of talent now is just like through the roof yeah i mean yeah. it's just amazing players um i mean i'd like to see it translate into more songs great. yeah more songs yeah. more great albums but yeah there's some incredible are people out there who are doing some great playing it really is. Well, that, yeah. That's the thing. There's the virtuoso and there's the songwriter, you know, and there's that happy, happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'll take that the Mr. Tom, not, not Mr. Tom and Bukovac has it all. 
<laughs> he does. Yeah, I'm looking forward to his solo album too. So yeah. How about this? So how about to, to to add on to that question? F- favorite album you've ever owned? Oh heck, gosh, that's that's hard. Man. Or narrow it down to a couple. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's moments in songs, and I'll tell you what. This is almost a sickness, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this on you. There's not not much music anymore that I really enjoy listening to because I really don't listen to music anymore for a feeling. For for a feeling, I, I want to be put in either a sad state, I want to be put in a melancholic state, and there's 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 not a lot of songs that do that to me. And like I said earlier, like my kids really turned me on to some great stuff. This Mitski record that my daughter turned me on to and my son turned me on to like this Men I Trust stuff. And, you know, um, and there's there's some moments on some older records, you know, there's there's um, like a few things off the early Yes albums that really put me in this this frame of mind, this state where I, it just, it, it almost evokes this like, this feeling this very deep feeling. I'm really moved by it. And unless I, I cop that feeling, I'm not interested in hearing it. Right. It's really weird. It's almost like a, it sounds almost like an, a, a very drug related kind of analogy there. But unless I'm really affected by it and get a feeling from it, I'm not interested. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's wacky, right? Because no, you know, no I kind of understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get it. Maybe I'll grow out of it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know that <laughs> when I'm feeling sad or nostalgic, you know, or I'll put on certain music for that. Yeah, for that feeling. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Easy G. Thanks for the uh, the devil yen. <laughs> uh, my first rock album was the Thank You Collection with a DVD from STP. After that, yeah. I decided to play the guitar and went shopping for a Les Paul AC15. Look at that. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice, man. That's a good amp. The AC15, man. That's a good amp. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know we can we can be here all night. Dean there's there's a couple that you that there's Dennis uh from Canada it looks like yeah did I miss it yeah, big one what you got oh, I got it uh hey Dean I always felt that you and your playing style were the natural evolution of Jimmy Page in his prime oh, come on. was he an influence of yours uh yeah we did ask that earlier cheers and also happy birthday oh is he oh, jeez that's coming up Saw you guys were, uh, years ago in Ontario, Canada with Scott. Oh, uh, well, glad you were there, man. Um, I mean, th- that that kind of comment, I don't, I don't know. I, I surely do appreciate that, but that's – I'm glad you said it because I could never. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh I tell you, if you're if you're a guitar player, man, and you came up through the '70s, the 1970s, and 
Uh, you're about to hit the age that I'm at. Um, how how could not have Jimmy Page influenced you? I mean, Absolutely. you know, we look at those records and we can still put those records on and be so moved and knocked back mm -hmm. by that stuff. Um, and again, yeah, I sure as heck was influenced by Jimmy greatly. Who, who wasn't? Yeah. You know, whether you were a player or not, those those songs and I think what really, really, um, I think what I enjoyed most about Jimmy's playing was how he orchestrated a song. Yes. You know, he was just a master at that, man. Damn. And, you know, just kind of the... The, the layering. The, the layering, layering of parts, like the, the, the you know, the archaic overdubbing that was done yeah. at the time, you know? And, man, what he was like, doing on Presence was just really... Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you put yeah. that stuff on now, and you you know that could have been cut last week, man. Yeah, it's really. So oh, actually, if it was cut last week, it wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's yeah. a whole nother path to go down. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, I love Townsend too. I don't know if you were a Who fan. I love Townsend, man. Yeah, Townsend's uh, amazing. Paige Townsend. <laughs> Aerosmith, of course, in the 70s, at least, like, you know, the Rocks record. Rocks record kills me. Hmm. The Rocks records, that's my favorite one. Hey, sounds man, you guys ever see that ARP thing that where there's a segment of it. I'm going to I'm going to email it to you guys. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a it's on YouTube. It's a promotional thing, kind of a tutorial, not a tutorial, but a documentary on the ARP thing. Man, I don't, I don't know what song it was. I think it was off "Who Are You." Yeah, I yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, all that stuff wow. that I thought was keyboards. Yeah, that's Pete playing guitar through that arc thing. Uh huh. And uh, Townsend was, oh man, he was so brilliant, man. So yeah. brilliant. Like, have you guys heard the um, isolated track to uh, "Who Are You"? Yes. Yes. See the, the the beauty. I always thought the beauty of Townsend was, um, so he had such a solid band. You know, you had John Entwistle and everything, and and so it created this space for him to. It it was a living, breathing thing. The guitar parts. It wasn't like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, blah blah blah. It that the first verse is not like the second verse, and, and if you listen. You know, the, the guitar parts, he's just, he's like jamming along to this bass and, and whatever came it. out and whatever inflection he put on the, the chord, or if he, if he strummed it a little different or did an upstroke, it's all different throughout the entire song. So yeah. that, that's sort of like John Bonham's drumming. So John Bonham's drumming is not standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus either. He's constantly putting accents in and different things in different spots it's and it never repeats itself the same way absolutely and, and so it moves it has movement and that that's the brilliance of townsend i think and and john bonham of course for what he did with zeppelin yeah and it's, isn't it interesting how every time you saw um some footage of pete cutting guitar in the studio he's standing up mm -hmm. he's standing up digging in Digging in, man, and like you said, man, just going for it. Yeah, going for it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
we were listening to a record many, many years ago, a record by this band, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names. And we were we were in the studio, and uh, we we're listening to this record, and, and somebody says somebody somebody made a comment saying that sounds like a bunch of guys sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> and I just and that and that stuck with me, man. Yeah. Just, oh, that that kind of does. Yeah, <laughs> and it stuck with me. You know, you see all those you see all those pictures of Jimmy when he's in the studio, man. He's he's standing up. Uh huh. He's, they're all standing up, like going for it, man. Yeah, it's interesting. And you know, now, the, uh... when I was young and pretty, fellas, I would stand up too. But now that I'm old, <laughs> now I got to old, my back hurts. I'm not going to stand up anymore. <laughs> yeah, unless I have to. Here. <laughs> yeah, there was a there's a point where everybody has to sit down at some point. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, there was another you question. Were, you were about to say, Dean, I'm going to come over and tuck you in. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late. Uh, I'm looking to Dave. Do you see any other questions? I don't know. I think you know if if we miss something, ask us and we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I can always e email Dean or stop by his house, one or the other. Whatever you, <laughs> you got a long trip, Mark, if you're going to do that for Florida. <laughs> I'm actually heading, uh, I might see Tom Bukovac in a couple weeks. I'm heading over to Nashville. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. You're going to so, meet Boogie before I do. <laughs> oh, I, I, I hung out. I actually went to see him at uh, the one of the, the first Ann Wilson show in Fort Myers. Oh, far out, man! And uh, got to hang out with Tom um, on his bus. Actually, it was cool with the band with Ann Wilson, and uh, they were great, great band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, who's playing bass? Uh, is it Tony? Yes. Okay. I Tony. think that's I think that's his name, right? Uh, I. Bald, bald guy? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I, know. I spoke with Tony, but he had a hat on. So the other guitar player is Paul. Yeah, Paul Moak. Yeah, and I think I think Tony is the bass player. Yeah. Okay. And I forget the uh, the drummer's name. So, but really, really, really good band. They were great. Good band. And I know they're continuing to. He's doing a show tonight, or or had one. So. But look, I can't thank you enough, Dean, for coming on. You're yeah. you're thank one of my you, favorite Alex. guitar players. I've been a huge STP fan for many, many years, and yeah. uh, thank you, man. to have you on is uh, an honor. Um, yeah, well, so. I only did it because this guy and I go so far back. <laughs> I don't do any of this stuff, man. I don't do anything. But when Dave, yeah, out, I, I was like emailing him, and I go, "Hey, it's you know, we go way back." He's like, "You're right." <laughs> Shit, man. 30 years man yeah well something like that for sure yeah well 1991 yeah. 90 yeah 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 crazy Jeez. holy crap isn't that crazy <laughs> yeah. you think of the 90s and you're like oh my god it seems like yesterday kind of right i know, yeah. man. I know. It's just i just like someone's yeah it it's like it, routinely it happens with my kids so i, I have a, a young son that's 10 right and uh, and someone looks at me and goes, how old is your son now? Ten. Ten? Wasn't he just born? Yeah, ten years ago. 
<laughs> the kids really yeah. make this mark. You know, the kids really make this mark. I, yeah. So yeah. I look at my little girl, my wife and I, we just we just can't believe we're like, yeah, my gosh, I just remember when you were a baby, you know? Yeah, and all of a sudden, my 10-year-old became an adult recently, it seems like, to me. <laughs> it's like, what did you just say? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Is he screaming at his video game or something? Is he learning music on you? Maybe Because I'm telling you, how I'm staying current is from my daughter and my son. Oh, man, he's not. He's not. No. No. I mean, he likes music. He He likes music, but he's not really, like, deep into music. Okay. So, uh, no, no instruments. Video, video games. He likes video games. Of course, of course. That's and more my, video games. You have kids, Mark? Yeah, I've got two. I've got a twenty-three-year-old daughter. Oh shoot, dude! Yeah, who graduated college and uh, and is working now, and and I also have a sixteen-year-old uh, son who's uh, a junior in high school. Just started back into school this this week so yeah well, congratulations and, uh, you made it uh, yes exactly i've got two more years and then uh I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be an empty nester which is insane yeah i'm not gonna be for a while yeah but i, I had guys, three girls you know, i had three older girls also from a previous marriage from from a million years ago and uh and and so they're 28 26 and oh, 24 shoot, wow <laughs> One, one, the old one, oldest one lives, young, yeah, the oldest one lives in uh, New Orleans uh, now, and the middle one is living in uh, uh, Arizona now, and um, and the younger one recently completely moved out of my house. So she was living in my guest house, and then she just she just moved in, moved in with the boyfriend. All right, well, so there you good. go, there you go. Good. So you got one more left. Yeah, but I gotta wait like, yeah, ten, 10 years. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little while yeah. longer. Well, that's Phelps, great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's just I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. It's a good hang. Uh, yeah. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. We're gonna we'll be back rehearsing. We have a gig on uh, September third. So, okay, where's your gig on September third? Uh, Michigan. Oh yes, yeah, it's the Arts Beats and Eats Festival thing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, because I talked to Tater about. Uh, I love that guy. By there, the way. There, there's there's two musician buddies of mine um, that that well, Tater knows there there used to be a band in Detroit called Seduce. And this guy David Black, he was uh, during the '80s. They were the largest thing in the thing. They did a record for IRS. Anyway, he's a good friend of mine, and I'm like. Hey, you should get David to go to the show, and and then this other younger guitar player, Sammy Bowler, who's uh, in his twenties. That's uh, another one of those young pups. That's an amazing guitar player. Oh man! So yeah, he's uh, phenomenal. And uh, I was gonna Tater Tater said he hook him up or whatever. So oh yeah, absolutely. To go, uh, you you should meet those guys. Those are good dudes. Really good dudes. All right, I'll get with Tater. Yeah, yeah. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks, man. We'll be in for I think a day or two. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm across the street. Yep. <laughs> well, everybody, hang on, Dean, while we say goodbye off off the air real quick. Okay. But, uh, everybody, thanks for watching the show. Really appreciate everybody. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll be back next weekend, next Saturday. Dave and I will do a uh, Ask Dave question show again. 
number three. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to make that a regular thing, uh, kind of in between shows. So so uh, on an ongoing basis because it seems to be people like it. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll be back next week. Secrets, Dave. They want all your secrets, man. They want all the secrets. <laughs> so hang on one second, Dean. Take care, right. everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Uh-huh.